Hello, welcome back to Tell Your Mom I Love Her. This will be, I believe, episode 9. It's silly when I have one in the bank that has to wait for a while. It kind of fucks with the order of everything. Episode 9, yeah. Um, I sat down today with Lawrence Jarvie, an amazing human being who I've actually been uh, affiliated with or acquainted with since uh, probably, yeah, about 10 years almost. Yeah. Yeah, about 10 years we've gravitated around each other and it's really strange and also awesome to have a connection and <clears throat> chat and hang. Um, I would also like to announce a new sponsor of the podcast, which is pretty fucking sick. Arizona Wilderness has been my favorite brewery in town um, and as far as I, I've had in my whole beer tasting experience, um, my favorite brewery. Uh, I just I think what they do is great. What they do is important, and uh, I'm I can't be more uh, more happy to have them uh, as someone who I advertise for, and um, they are great. So I mean, obviously, in the last episode you heard the podcast with the owners, the the rowdy debaucherous bunch, and they are phenomenal people. Great time hanging with them. Uh, Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company has a true passion for its craft. Our passion stems from owners Jonathan and Patrick's exploration of the beautiful and diverse state of Arizona. These guys really get into it. I literally saw a picture of their tent uh, in on the Grand Canyon. It's in snow. Just a tent in snow. Just them two and the little dog. Crazy. Um, and this is like, I think, January or February. Um, yeah, their love for AZ and its vast wilderness inspires the creation of high-quality, artfully crafted beers that highlight local agricultural products and support sustainable practices. They truly do this. It's awesome. The connections are there. Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company purveyors of craft beer with wilderness-inspired ales. And we are also brought to you by Page Spring Cellars Winery. Page Spring Cellars is a amazing, uh, an amazing winery up in... Uh, Cornville, Cottonwood-ish area in Arizona, and they have vineyards down south, south of Tucson as well, which are phenomenal as well. Create some great grapes down there. Uh, at Page Spring Cellars, what they create, we create, is what they say, uh, wines that express the high desert character of the Arizona landscape. From grape to bottle, our process is imbued with the belief that growing grapes, making wine, and raising a glass cultivate friendships and unite communities. Here, we're a family, and all are welcome. Come sip with us. They truly are uh, familial. They're very welcoming and super, super hospitable up there. And they also have great product. I don't, uh, you know, I think I say this at the end, the end rant. I don't, I wouldn't have advertise for these people if I didn't think they did good stuff. I wouldn't seek out friendships with them necessarily. Um, I mean, that's not necessarily true. I wouldn't have the friendships I have with them if I didn't know they had good stuff. Not that I have, I mean, I have friends with people who have shitty stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know who you are or not. I just, uh, I think that what they do is important. I think more people need to hear about it. And I'm taking my, uh, an opportunity with whatever platform I have that might be like 30 people, but to kind of tell people about this and introduce them to something cool that's from Arizona. There's a lot of cool stuff out here. Anyway, Seth, <clears throat> I, uh, you're not supposed to inhale your spit. It's this new thing I'm trying, but trying to defy uh, gravity. Hang on. Mm. Delicious, delicious juice liqueur I made. I'm actually really fucking proud of. Wow. Um, yeah, so I sit down today with Lawrence Jarvie and uh, had a great conversation. I hope you all enjoy. Without further ado, welcome. There's a little click action. Okay, 
I'm, I'm here. We're here. We're recording. We are here. We're live. Lawrence, so good to have you, man. Yeah, likewise. Great, to, great to be here. You want to introduce yourself to folks? Sure. Uh, my name is Lawrence Jarby. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of Provision Coffee uh, right here down the street in Arcadia. Oh, yeah. Uh, started uh, Provision back in 2012, I believe it was. End of 2011, beginning 2012 mm-hmm. uh, with my business partner, Dan Suh. And uh, yeah, it's been a freaking crazy ride. This is my 21st year in food and beverage. It doesn't feel like I'm that old, but it's legit. <laughs> wow. Where are you um, Where are you from initially? Where were so you I, born? I grew up in, uh, I was born in New Mexico. Okay. So everybody is familiar with Hatch Chili. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up just kind of outside in a little town called Las Cruces. Okay. Um, my fun, fun fact, my mom's maiden name is Vida Montes. So people don't think that I'm actually Spanish, but you know, I can speak a little, más o menos. <laughs> Poquito. <laughs> so little, but uh, it was actually my first language and I okay. uh, grew up on a farm. Um, awesome. What did you guys farm? Uh, my grandfather was a pecan farmer and a apple farmer. Oh, wow. Uh, and then they also farmed, awesome. uh, I don't know what the actual English translation of the flower is, but it's called pericos. Um Basically, it looks like a almost like a corn stalk, but then it has a really pretty, almost iris-esque flower that comes out of it. I should probably know what the the English translation of that flower is. Hollyhock? I don't know. Uh, you might be right. Oh, is that big green fucking lily? No, it's, okay. it comes in different colors, like so different um, varietals of it. Yeah, um, but like the leaves, though, are they big and green? And The leaves are big and green, correct. Hmm. And the flowers are like pretty, oh, give it to me. Yeah, look it up. So Look I got at this that. handy doosh, iPad. Doosh, doosh. One day, maybe I'll have an assistant who looks this stuff up. Hey, Sally, can you uh, can you look that up? Oh, definitely didn't Sally. Oh, no Sally? No, definitely a Sally. Oh, oh a yeah. Sally. Yeah, okay. that's a good idea. See, I took you for a Sally. Even if her name isn't... Sally. It's Yeah, it could be a guy. Okay, Jim. Jim is Sally now. Let's right, see what it says. Hollyhock. Hollyhock grows great in the Southwest, so... Correct. You might be You might be right. I think I you're going to pin this. I could be wrong, though. I mean, I'm right that this is Hollyhock, but I'm not entirely sure if that's what you're... Nope. Nope. Okay. Denied. Fair enough. We'll it's look, okay. We'll figure it out another time. But, but uh, they grew flowers. Yeah, so flowers was one of them, and then my grandparents uh, had a uh, general kind of um, grocery store on their property. Damn. That's yeah, awesome. They 14 kids, believe it or not. They weren't Mormon. They were just crazy Catholics humping with no birth <laughs> control, um, and my grandmother was always pregnant oh my um, god she actually had two sets of twins that died um, wow. one was a miscarriage and then one was uh, just prior to birth so i think you'd still generally call it a miscarriage but it was yeah i don't yeah. really know all the technical terms uh, but she did end up having a set of identical twins and then a set of platonic twins um so wow pretty pretty crazy so yeah. 10 uncles uh three <laughs> aunts and my mom and a whole shit ton of cousins that's crazy i know man. every time i think about that i'm like oh my gosh i have a whole other family does anyone any of your cousins like do or you, you have siblings too so i have a brother and a half sister okay um cousins are, you know it's it's been fun there's like a group of probably 10 of us that kind of stay connected and that's try cool. to you know big catholic families once they like start expanding and either like really really super tight or you just like something happens and nobody kind of out yeah it's kind of weird it's kind of sad too yeah um, there's a whole other backstory there but my grandfather sure. was just basically a tool and typical kind of like spanish macho dude like yeah. didn't want to really give his uh his sons 
you know, this kind of like affirmation that they needed and sure. they still live with that, like on their shoulders. And uh, so it's this constant, like, doosh, 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 yeah, you know, so, wow. uh, yeah, it's been fun, but to, you know, getting to know a little bit more of my heritage and how that kind of plays into me being an entrepreneur and, you know, understanding like kind of those characteristics. I think it's always, that's yeah. a great question. Like, where are you from? Like there's, yeah. there's so many layers of like, as you get older, you, how did you develop? Yeah. Yeah, dude. So <clears> I think that, you know, that's a great kind of spin is, is that I've looked back at my mom's side. Cause I tend to have a lot of my mother's qualities versus my dad. Yeah. And that has been, my grandfather was this crazy entrepreneur, like made millions like five or six times, just kind of like, from pecans to, you know, apple orchards to, uh, real estate development and, you know, kind of also helping plot stuff around like hatch and how that whole chili thing kind of grew up. And so hatch is a town hatch is not a town hatch is So I, you know, actually I don't want to answer the question. There's like a type of pepper. Well, it's a, so yeah, green chili is kind of what you'll hear. Like, you know, hatch green chili. Yeah. There's in a particular region and, um, it's just like, you know, the tour there for green chili is phenomenal. Yeah. You you don't get like the heat. Oh, dude, the heat's is great. Hot, is pretty hot there. I'm gonna open uh, up a can, people. Sorry. Good. It's you know, it can be you know Southwest. So yeah. I think the difference is, is they don't have as much development as us. And if you know the history of Phoenix, you know back in like the '60s and '70s before they were just you know plowing through and planting concrete, this is acts like a high desert. So it's hot during the day and mm-hmm. then it will cool down during the evening. So you see some similar. Okay. You know, spikes in temperature, but it, then it drops. Diurnal um, shift. Yeah, and you can actually see the Milky Way because there's not as much development to, yeah. you know, block the kind of that layer that lights create around the city. So it's it's yeah. a beautiful New Mexico's, I think honestly one of those states that, oh, excuse me, it's very, um, it's you know people don't really think much of it. They kind of pass through it and they they tend to know you know small places. But you get up north and go to like Taos and yeah, there's just some like really beautiful Santa Fe so similar to Arizona in terms right. of like landscape but there's a lot of bullshit in New Mexico that I think that if you're riding on the 10 or I guess now that's the 40 my bad the 40 is just like it's kind of gross in my opinion yeah but well you go so the 10 goes down south and then the 40 goes kind of through Albuquerque that's what I've done yeah Albuquerque yeah. so like, Albuquerque is like an armpit yeah, yeah it's not sorry it's Albuquerque not, sorry Albuquerque you just <laughs> you're not good you, <laughs> you should, didn't make the cut you should be aware of that by now that's okay you know no, definitely so, so yeah, family history there. Um, did you like grow up picking any of that, that, that fruit? So we ever... funny, kind of not funny, but my mom raised me up until I was about three and a half or my grandparents and my mom worked. I was a bastard child. Kind of crazy. Oh, my really? dad met a salesman from, I forget where my dad was living. I think Denver at the time met my mom in El Paso and didn't know he was married and they had like this love affair. And then she found out she was pregnant and wrote my dad a letter and was like, hey, you know, you got a son coming. Um, what are we going to do about this? And then he kind of like, he basically, my dad, like, he told me this story. I was like, I didn't know this until I was like 21. Never, never asked, you know, like, oh, when did mom and dad get married? I just thought like, you know, suburb kid. I'm like, oh, my parents got married before, you know, they had me type of deal. And then they had me. And I was like, oh, shit, there's a lot to this story. <laughs> oh, you're 21. Yeah, I was 21, dude. Because I never thought to ask the question. Yeah. And and my parents are, I mean, they're incredible. I mean, they've been married and gone through, you know, two bankruptcies and they've just been really challenged by life. And my dad so was, he was married. He was married. An affair, and now he's with her. Yeah. They've been married since I was five. Wow. So yeah. that's interesting. That's not a usual, not a usual turn of events. <laughs> yeah. So my dad actually ended up marrying his best friend from high school Okay. and they were just best friends and he just never, 
you know, I asked him, I'm like, how do you just marry somebody like that? He's like, you know, just, that was what you did back in the day. You know, you just didn't really kind of explore your options. And he's like, I met your mom. And he's like, I just couldn't shake it. And he's like, he literally asked one of his best friends because he thought he like wanted to like put a gun to his head base. Cause like, I don't want to make this decision. And he's like, mm. this is the rest of your life. You can deal with this and move towards this, or you can make the decision and go a different direction. And he was like, it was the best decision that I ever made. So there was this picture on his desk that wow. I always saw when I was a kid. And it was the first time that I actually got to live with my dad. He had just gotten off an airplane and I think it was in, in Dallas. Um, and he's holding me and I've got like this curly mop and, uh, I'm like, why is my dad like everywhere we would move, this picture would always be front and center. And that's kind of what struck the conversation. I'm like, dad, why this picture? Cause I love this picture. What I didn't realize is that there was so much to that for him. That was like, you know, like the first day of the rest of his life for him basically getting to be with his family. And then, you know, here we are, my mom and dad live in Queen Creek now. And okay. I got him to move. We lived in California for 20, what, 25, 27 years. Wow. Yes, most of my life was California. Where? Just outside of Los Angeles. Okay. We moved around. My brother was born in Burbank, um, Van Nuys area. And then we kind of started pushing out to the east to Santa Clarita, Valencia area. And then we ended up in a high desert just like this, which is always kind of funny to me. Uh, Palmdale, Lancaster. It's like... I've heard the names. Yeah, it's... There's some rappers that like sing songs about it. <laughs> it's pretty ghetto. And, and now I think it's it's just changed the dynamic of, you know, if you know the history of L.A. and kind of how they cleaned out inner city. I mean, I was really highly involved in kind of social justice movements and just understanding, you know, I was uh, sociology was my double major. So I did okay. a lot of like inner city working programs, trying to understand how the city would make decisions to move people around or, you know, how Section 8 homes just like all of a sudden disappeared and there's like a new high rise yeah. that looks beautiful. And it's like, well, where the hell did all those people go? Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure like a couple weeks ago it was kind of sketchy and you didn't walk around and like you go to Silverleaf now. It's like, what the, what, what happened here? Yeah. I literally went to a Dodger game like two years ago and was like, I remember when I was a kid going to Dodger games and it was like, you would it was not safe. Like you would leave and just go home. Yeah. Now, now you can like cruise down the hill and, um, I forget what that little lake is right there on the other side of the stadium on the backside, but there was like a mom pushing a stroller in yoga pants. And I was like, <laughs> so, wait, yeah. what just happened right now? The hipsters moved in and I mean, the whole neighborhood changed. Every, it happens like yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So understanding kind of like, you know, how that moves. So we ended up in Palmdale, Lancaster. Mm. And uh, that's where I grew up most of my life. And kind of we were, it was an onion and alfalfa town. Old school, like, uh, you know, good old boy Republicans. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, um, what is it? Boeing had a big plant there. Mm. Uh, and then there was Air Edwards air force base. Uh, so they, there was a secondary, uh, landing place for, um, the space shuttle. So every once oh. in a while when they couldn't land in Florida, you'd see the space shuttle fly in. That's it was wild. so sick. Yeah. Cause it'd be like two fighter jets on each side. It's not a site that you like, Oh wow, that actually happens. But, it happened, you know, more than I think people actually realized, yeah. but it was really cool because there was a golf course that was just adjacent to the landing pad and you could just like be playing golf and you hear this F-14s like freaking smoking by and so crazy. Um, so yeah, it was that. And then they did the B-2 bomber, um, the SR-71, like was all basically made there in Palmdale, Lancaster. Okay. Um, and then they would test fly them out at Edwards Air Force Base. And that's, is it like south of Bakersfield? It is uh, technically it would be south of Bakersfield, yeah. Like more east though. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, because we were like on the outer east of Los. We're still in Los Angeles County, so. Oh, okay. 
Edwards are, I think like once you get over to like Tehachapi over the Tehachapi mountains, or if you're coming from the five, you know, you have the, um, the grapevine. So they kind of go up together and then all of a sudden they like meet. And then there's basically Bakersfield, this big hazy, like cloud oil of, or cloudy oil town with, you know, really bad smells. (laughs) Yeah. I've only driven by it. Um, that's that's probably a good idea. Dude, my because I, I was born in Irvine. I grew up in like oh yeah, it's very I mean, nice. I grew up here, but like I, I lived in Mission Viejo, and like mm-hmm. just white people suburbia for the first like ten years of my life, and I don't really remember much of it to be honest. Hmm. Like you were talking about the Dodgers, I'm like I man, I remember going to a Dodgers game, a big ass hot dog, and you know, and like remember like kind of like the trees everywhere around the stadium. Right, very blurry memory, but I remember going there, but I haven't spent much time. Uh, in LA or that area since and I took a trip like a sabbatical a few years ago where I took a month off and went from Huntington Beach to Portland in my oh, car oh man that's great it was awesome all the way up the coast all the way up the coast I had to cut inland for a little bit uh, around Big Sur um, yep. because of the landslides right. but I was in Monterey for a week that was un- unreal um, I went to San Francisco for a few days Redwoods for the next three or four then eventually found my way to Portland for a week just friends along the way. People let me stay at their house. It was really cool. Really oh, interesting experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish I, I want to go to LA and spend more time there, but like I, it's just not on my list quite yet. I just, I feel yeah. like it's this overwhelming amount of there's LA is so condensed. It's kind of like, you know, there's, there's so much going on in such small zip codes. It's like, yeah, there's so much to do and it is very overwhelming. I think it took me, you know, I moved here in January, Actually, December 31st of 2009 was my first official day why'd here. You, why'd you move to Phoenix? Oh, man. So I was a professional golfer. Really? In fact, yeah. Um, I moved here to play the Gateway Tour in 2010. Uh, I was kind of on a... You know, I'd been playing for about a year and a half, different mini tours throughout California. And it was either keep playing golf or move to Nashville and get into music. Um, music being that I had a bunch of friends who were in the music industry and they really um, were kind of starting to get some traction and now they play for different, you know, bands. And um, mm. at the time I was kind of wanting to jump on the road and just run kind of marketing and sales for, you know, I did a lot of stuff for like t-shirt merch and stuff like that. Just kind of saw an opportunity for some, just a, basically a stepping stone. I was like, you know, if I want to be around kind of this public relations you know marketing kind of I'm like this is a good place to be and I had a bunch of friends like 10 people from Palmdale moved to Nashville and they were like you know all in different bands and yeah it was it was my core group of people which was more more than than going to Nashville it was like oh these guys are these are like family to me but my brother came to me he had visited Arizona in November of 2009 my brother's five years younger than me and he had just turned pro and he was like dude we gotta go and I was like, what? He's like, no, don't go to Nashville. Come to Phoenix. We're going to we're gonna move out there, and we're going to try to give this, you know, one last hoorah. So we had another friend who I would play college golf with that I grew up with, and he was like, dude, you coming? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, let's go tomorrow, and we'll go check places out. And it all happened in, like, three weeks. And I was like, you know, I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'm 27, and mm-hmm. I'm up for an adventure, and I'm like, I, I'm not – I'm going to regret this if I don't go and like try to do this just with my little brother, just yeah. to spend some time with him. I was like, I'll commit to a year, you know, let's go sign a lease. And we freaking ended up on hunt highway and uh Gilbert road. <laughs> How do you end up that <laughs> far? 
<laughs> we didn't, we were just like, well, it was $900 for a three bedroom house that was a mile from a golf course that was pretty decent. So you're going by golf courses. Yeah, we were like, and we had a buddy that lived right there. So it was. Oh, okay. Well, that we, makes sense. We could, I mean, it was super cheap. I mean, it was like, so rent was, you know, 300 bucks a piece. And then we had a garage, which was nice. And it had a little backyard. So we could have a grill and kind of hang out, which that never happened. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we were five minutes from the golf course. And the golf course, the guy who owned the golf course, which is called Lone Tree, uh, was a previous player and knew how to be to, and he knew how expensive it was to to find a home course that you could actually practice on and afford it and like travel and do all this stuff that you kind of have to do in developing in a sport and he it was like a thousand bucks for the year for like unlimited play and unlimited range balls and so it was like the best deal that i had ever heard of i'm like man that's actually really great so we'd, i'd work a couple days a week on mill avenue uh, i was slinging drinks at robbie fox's oh my god when they first opened up and the only reason i got the job is because the guys played golf so we had like this uh, a couple of the dudes that um, were there, Brandon, who owns, oh man, what's next to the the Q Club? There's two little bars right there. I think it's, oh gosh dang it. Something with a Z? Yes. Yeah, so Brandon owns that joint. Oh, He's freaking hilarious. Zuma? The, Zuma, yes. Oh my God, Mill Avenue. Oh, I know. That's no. even funnier is, you know, Brandon Casey used to come in to Robbie Fox's and get $2 Jameson's. That's like what we were known for. Oh man! So it was like two dollar Jamesons, which was like basically, you know, a rocks glass full. <laughs> so we had the wall of Jameson in the back and the wall of Absolute. Just buying a shit ton of Jameson, dude. It was literally down. it was bigger than your than your pad, full of like seven, eight boxes of Jameson deep, like high. Yeah, you buying that big of bulk? You're oh my prices. gosh, dude! I think it was like it was less than ten dollars a bottle. Yeah, Holy it was shit. insane. And I was like, is this real? Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm getting two bucks. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah. But that was like you know that was that was like kind of <clears throat> what I think was uh, this you know revival of of Mill when I first moved 2010. It was kind of dead, you know the the movie theater had closed, like all the chain restaurants weren't there. Oh, that's right. It was a ghost town. I mean, I was a, I was a you know I turned 21 in 2014. All right, I think that first it was time. on the uprise then. Oh yeah, I think my first time uh, ever being. On Mill, I was like, it was like 2010. I was in high school. We went, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, I've spent time since. But anyway, anyway, so you you worked at this Robbie Fox's Robbie Fox's part time slinging drinks. Cool. Uh, it's kind of a daytime bartender, but I'd work one night on the weekends and join the shit show. Yeah, and it was pretty at that time. They kind of created this culture, and the guys who owned it just really knew the knew the booze business. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they were cool. charging covers at the door and they kept expanding their patio and pretty soon they like took over Mill Avenue and it was all out of spite <laughs> from what I understand. Oh, really? Yeah, they were con- contractor guys at one point for the the dude who owned Rula Bula. And um, the story goes is that they basically built this place way out west for Rula Bula and Rula Bula basically never opened and owed these guys a bunch of money. And so they're like, you know what? Screw that. Yeah, we're going to go right in your business. kitchen. Yeah. And I mean, Rula Bula is still there, but I mean, they opened Robbie Fox's and like Rula Bula was a ghost town and it was just like, you know, this kind of nemesis rival going on. Yeah. I didn't never really understood it. I mean, that story could be partially true or made up. I don't know, but it was kind of a fun narrative that people would always sure. ask, like, what's the deal? And I'm like, ah, I think the owners like 
They got in a fight with Rilla Bula. <laughs> so we're here. $2 Jamesons. Yep. Oh, yeah. That, that'll, that'll screw them a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I just want to tell people who are listening that uh, if you notice any fan humming, I'm going to try to put some sort of limiter on our uh, our things when I, when I after we record. But if I don't, then just get over it. Just know that we're comfortable. You know, It's not hot. It's actually really it's cozy. Not, it's here. not that bad. Yeah. No, it's great. La- I mean, there's more bodies in here. It gets hot quick. Uh, especially when you got the wilderness boys in here last week. Oh, man. And the dog. And oh. then... Um, a random person appeared to a new friend of mine now. Her name is Ashley. She was really cool. She like <laughs> Jonathan's like, yo, I got, I have someone coming over. You're going to love her. She's great. And, and she's, uh, engaged to the, uh, guitarist of the sword. I don't know if you've heard of the sword. They're like a psych, uh, metal band from Austin. Sounds very metal. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. From what I've listened to, I need to revisit them. Um, but like apparently the guy's cool. I'd love to meet him too. His name's Kyle Shutt. Um, but yeah, his fiance and we ended up like heading off and becoming friends that night. So now I have another friend just randomly that, but that's, anyway, point is that they just got, that's John's like specialty right there. That's so up his alley. Oh like, yeah. Hey, by the way, this person's, I think you're going to love them. Like nine, I would, I would love to ask him actually like the times it's actually gone bad for him. Yeah. And I know like, like, <laughs> like what happens? If she's just like, she's no. just a mess. He's like, you're going to network now. That's right. what we're doing. Yeah. You know, it's not like you would love to meet them. You want to meet them? Like, and no. then he smiles. Yeah. So they're coming, man. And then we pour him in shot and he just pounds it, pounds it. Yeah. We got actually at the end of the night after everything, I blacked out. I black out once a year. Congratulations. I black out once a year. We won't be blacking out tonight. I have a kid no. at home. You know, it's different up, priorities. Yeah. I'm going to go visit uh Maynard's wine bar tonight. Yeah. Ooh. A little later. Yeah, Beautiful. Hang out with some friends. I didn't, uh, I've never been there before. So where's that at? Over old counterintuitive was. Ooh. Yeah. Is it open, open or it's is open? It? Yeah. It's been open for a while. I just haven't. Wow. They haven't been. really marketed it very well. Yeah. Didn't even know it existed. I mean, think about Maynard's a secretive person. He just makes, he doesn't work. care. Yeah, that's true. He probably, well, he doesn't have to care as much either. I don't think. Right. Mm-mm. It's not about the success. And people will come in and like next door where Cowboy Chow was, there's some like place called the drunk monk. Some like, I don't know. People have not spoken very highly of it as a tiki bar, but uh, yeah. Oh, it's a tiki bar. We might walk in. I don't know if I'm going to spend money at a place where I, everyone has told me the drinks aren't the best, but I'm not going to try shit talking to someone on here, but eh. I'm just saying all the other people have told me this is not my opinion, uh, and I eventually might have to give my opinion and it might not be good. So anyway, I might not even go. So uh, I did give my opinion on White Claw in the last episode. It's oh, jeez. It's not good. This is <laughs> shit. People love shit, and <laughs> Austin did this whole, it's so funny, dude, he did this whole plug on White Claw. He had, like, a whole speech written. He's Shut like, do you mind if I do my plug now? I'm like, fine, you can do your plug, and I get a bottle of wine, and he's just like, I'm dying laughing. <laughs> it's so funny. He's probably one of the funniest people I know. He's ra- he's so random with his humor, too, because he's so convicted to what he's telling you. Like, if he was mm-hmm. giving that speech... Yeah, he's like into it, and like he's yeah, he's like it's the new jewel. You can't find the mango pods anywhere. You can't find the grapefruit anywhere. I'm like, but mango's my favorite, and it's so rare. Everyone needs to have white claw, and he like <laughs> he gets all close to the mic. Um, super funny. Oh, Gavin. But uh, what was I gonna ask? So okay, so we kind of derailed your story a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, you move here in what 2010. Ten. You slinging drinks, slinging drinks, slinging, slinging clothes. What happened after? So it was kind of a like a crazy crossroad. So, twenty seven, kind of. It was middle of summer. It was like the the storm of storms. 
Actually, it was coming up. It was coming up to summer, so it was in June. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of that. Oh yeah, you try it. Um, it was middle of June, and uh, I'd gotten in a car accident before I left L.A. Oh shit! It was my second car accident, and in the midst of that car accident, uh, the second one, I was dealing with a lot of pain, mm-hmm. and I couldn't really like pinpoint it. Um, I'd gotten some like nerve damage and basically the way that I understood it was I'd basically built up all this scar tissue that was, my wasn't going through proper therapy. So they were just giving me Norcos and Vicodins like they were Skittles. I mean, I was taking four or five, six at a time just to try to like cope the pain that I was having Shit. in the midst of, I mean, when you talk about professional golf, it's not like you just show up and hit a couple rocks and you call yeah. it a day. I mean, I took it very seriously. So it'd be 10, you know, 12 hour days. I'd get up at five, five thirty. Yeah. I'd hit the links and, you know, play 18, grab something to eat, go to the range for a couple hours, go to the putting green, maybe stretch for a little bit, you know, go to the gas station, grab a couple of Gatorades, I mean, come back and then do it again. It's summer and you're jammed out on fucking painkillers. Like, yeah. And I'm popping, you know, a couple in the morning. Damn. You know, just did you like, you would feel high off this, right? Like, so yeah, the first to. time I, I took one was actually before I had left. I, would, I started taking them, I don't think like October is when they gave me Norco's. Norco's? Norco. It's like, Norco. I think it's Norco's. I don't even remember. I think that's the street name for him. It's, it's kind of like a Vicodin with codeine. Some opiate. It's an shit. opiate. Yeah, okay. I was I was addicted to opiates. And mm. uh, I remember taking one and just like, don't operate a vehicle. And I was like, well, I have to go to work and I operate a vehicle. And so I'm just going to do this. And I did it and I was like, wee. Yeah. I remember getting to a gas station, putting gas into my truck and was like, you watch, do you ever watch the gas, like the prices, it clicks? Oh, yeah. It was like in slow motion. Like it was this scene out of a movie. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Right. And I'm like, and I kind of grabbed the truck just to, oh, so this is what this feels like. Yeah. So it was like kind of this exciting high that I'd never experienced. I'm like, man, I could kind of get used to like, and I'm like wiggling around to see if the pain like existed in my back. And it was just like no pain. Weird. So I was on this weird high of like, you know, experiencing something one once for the first time. So I'm highly, you know, energized by things that I do the first time. Something about the first time that I'm just like, like, you know, it just, it really sets with me. And I'm like, it's a novelty. It's a a great novelty. So Mm -hmm. I like, I like first times. And uh, that was the first time. And then the first time it came the second time and the second time and the third time. And they just kept prescribing them. Yeah. I go back to the doctor and there wouldn't be, well, you know, we did is, oh, here's another script. You know, here's 120 pills. There's like 120 pills every, you know, 30 days. 20 bucks. I know it was like free. My, my insurance just covered it. So oh it was my like, God, man. they're handing me these freaking, you know, horse tranquilizers to the normal human. Yeah. And I'm, and I get, I'm, you build a tolerance, which is crazy, mm-hmm. just like anything else. And that tolerance built up. And finally, it all came to a crash in June. I had worked a Saturday night at Robbie's and, um, I, you know, you get, you know this, you get home like five thirty, six in the morning sometimes. And it was a busy night and there was probably 12 of us on the floor and just, I'm freaking tired. I get all the way to Hunt Highway in Arizona. Oh, you're driving all the way. That's, yeah. It wasn't that bad. It was like 20, 23 miles. I guess, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing from where I'm at right now. No, I know. It feels, it, I mean, people are like, why do you drive so far? I'm like, this, I'm used to driving two hours each way. Like, this is nothing. It's like 27 minutes. Yeah. And I fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah, it was oh shit for sure. And I don't know, I, to this day, I don't know how long I was out. Um, thankfully, 
I didn't get arrested. And there, I didn't hit anybody. My foot was still on the brake. The light was green. And I like had that instant like, okay, this is not okay. Yeah. And that was the last time I took one. Cool. So it was like this cold turkey experience. And I was like, this, yeah. is, this is messing my life up. And uh, I just kind of began this new kind of faith journey. And You have you know, things to accomplish. Yeah, I didn't know what yet. But I was just like, all right, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Yeah. I'm, wow, man. Yeah, so it was a pretty like, oh. Yeah, I've and had I was, moments like that before. It's crazy to feel that like, okay, cool, <laughs> we're done. It's scary. You know, yeah. it's, it scared me. And um, it's not one of those experiences that you, you want to have multiple times in your life. True. You, you get opportunities to learn. Like I was, by whatever you want to believe in, but for me it was like there was so much grace involved in that situation that could have gone really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have hit somebody, which was probably the biggest thing to me, getting somebody else in an accident and then potentially even take my own life. Yeah. And not even knowing, like just, you know, you get so used to doing something that you feel is normal. Yeah. Um, so it was, there was a lot of like, oh shit, what, what am I doing with my life? And what am I, like, do I want to end up this way? Was kind of the thing. And I just kind of had to unravel that and unpack that over the next few years. And I kind of fell into coffee. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like how? Here, cheers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been holding on to this tomorrow yeah. here. You always make eye contact. I do know eye this. Eye contact when you cheers. It's bad luck. I just you don't. I just learned that. Did mm. you really? Yeah. Oh. Well done. That's my that's my number four. So, you're all numbered. I see that. Was this the fourth batch? What's the four represent? Yeah. Fourth batch. So and then the, on the initial batches with um, my friend Mitch and I was. Okay. Uh, we made four of them and we liked the number four the best. So I kept tweaking it and making it, you know, to what it is. Um, my goal is to have an approachable, spiced, lighter, brighter um, Amaro that's not too bitter. I love it. It's bitter, but it's not like, it's not drying you out to the point where like, fuck, it's, it's, it borders on Amaro. You know, it's like, it's enough to Amaro to be, or bitter, like a cold Amaro. Right. It's got a lot of gentian in it, but... I wanted to be kind of prettier and a little more like, like an elegant thing to I, drink. I, it's very elegant. I, yeah. I like the kind of the the intro to the spice, but not overwhelming, and still having some of that kind of citrus component. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm a big like you know once negro maletti, and then I'm not like I don't like to be too medicinal in my amaros for whatever reason. But okay. I've, this is a like this is a great entry level for me that kind of gives you a little bit more of yeah. It's closer to Maletti, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely got some Maletti quality to it, yeah, for sure. Clove, for sure. The cloves, I think clove is probably one of the hardest ingredients for me to adapt to. It's been really weird. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. It's potent, man. It's super potent. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's so overpowering. Like, yeah, clo- like you don't need a lot. So clove buds are actually, they contain, so the main constituent is eugenol. It's the main flavor of clove. If you ever smell eugenol on its own, you're like, oh, that's clove. It's the main... Interesting reason for its flavor, yeah, and so it has like a eighty to ninety percent concentration in the flower bud, which is what cloves are. There's, there's dried flower buds, um, eighty to ninety percent of that by weight is eugenol. So you don't need a whole lot of them. So wow. it's easy to overdo it. I'm definitely gonna tone it down the next uh, runs when I when I make this. Oh um, man, I mean, I I don't. I'm not mad at it right there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I think it's. I think it. But if this has turned out nice, I'm actually really proud of this. No, you should be. I mean, for. You're just kind of, you're such a young guy with all these things on your plate and you're spinning and, you know, kind of how our conversation started. I was like, wait, yeah. how old are you? Because I, you know, I didn't have that kind of, I had that desire burning in me to do 20, all this cool stuff. Yeah. 
25, yeah. I, uh, I mean, no, death's my biggest motivator, man. I mean, I know that's coming one day, so I might as well soak it up while I got it. Get it, get a step on it. Yeah, it's great. Like, I just don't want to waste time, you know. Not everybody's like that. Everyone's got their own clock, and I just kind of see. Like, I want these things to happen. I'm going to try to make them happen, and then you just take action, and then keep continuing living and doing things that suit you, and the rest follows. Yeah. It's great. Well, I think the depth to the stuff that you're doing is just not like you're not scratching the surface, which I think is actually even more something unique for you. It's oh, I'm, try- I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going to like my goal is to smell a wine or a beer and to be like, OK, I know these five molecules that I'm smelling right now. That's some crazy stuff molecules. right there. Yeah, which is a, uh, something I can do. All these things have been mapped out. There's huge flavor companies that like have isolated all these things. Oh, like, yeah. There's one called Give Wadan. I think that's how you pronounce it. They're like a, I believe they're a Swedish-based company. Um, they make flavors, and um, they make up to a thousand flavors of different flavors of vanilla, because different molecules have like different, I'm not a chemist, but uh, different structures that you know might have just one little small group off of it. It still smells like vanilla, but it's not. And then even two different molecules are different structures will smell similar. That's fascinating. Ones that are even kind of similar sometimes mm-hmm. can smell completely different. It's weird how our how our bodies work. I have a whole book on it. It's a really cool book. Another one that you might be into. Yeah. Um, I'll show it to you before you go. Yeah, for sure. That sounds remember. great. Yeah, it's it's about this uh, this wine writer who dove deep and figured out every like molecules and how they pair and why they pair, why foods pair because... You know, they share a certain molecule structure. That sounds like that. something Dan would get lost in. Oh, yeah. He Dude, loves that kind of stuff. I want to have both of you on in the future. Uh, a whole provision crew, yeah, you, rabbit hole. You get, oh, man. We're an eclectic group. Yeah. yeah it's, I it's, love it. It's, pretty, it's been actually a huge uh, blessing to have such an incredibly talented team and diversity uh, of people who've been in the industry and, you know, even new, young, kind of upcoming you know, bartenders, Erica's just been amazing to watch her kind of blossom, Yeah. you know, both musically, I think personally, um, and then yeah. kind of get behind her craft and have some structure to leadership. And then just to see Jenny, who's our manager there in Arcadia, like just love on her team and be supportive. And yeah, she's, uh, they're all awesome. I man. remember feel like realizing I'm like, you know, my goal, I mean, our tagline or our, what the heck do they call that? Not your slogan, but Motto. Our, our mission statement. Mission statement. Our mission statement is like building, you know, building community through quality coffee. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean to build community? Like, and it's really this idea of just creating a platform or in that particular instance, a space mm-hmm. that allows for people to come together. And coffee is kind of the tool that basically navigates through to allow, and you know, coffee and cocktails now that we've kind of made that brand transition. Yeah. Um, but to see people that we hire get behind it and it's not a job. It's not a job. I feel like they, yeah, they show up and they're on time and they do their stuff, but you watch them, you give them room and areas to grow in and it's just been, and yeah. we just turned one. So fuck yeah. Happy, happy morning birthday. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to make a post too, to kind of, that's right. This, uh, do this Saturday is, uh, kind of the shindig. We're throwing it down. Yeah. So, Got some some cocktail stuff and some raffles. Yeah, and iconic collab, right? That was last week. Oh, which okay. Was I just saw posts. Yeah, that was last Friday. It was Friday, cool. and it was it was awesome. Badass man. Yeah. So just to see, and I think the other thing, seeing the community of people like yourself in 
the craft orientated side of Phoenix. I mean, cause we're such a big city, but there's, I mean, we probably all kind of rub shoulders in some way that could identify that. There's like maybe 30 to 40 places who do this. Agreed. Yeah. I and think it's, I talked about this last time. We talked. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool to see. And, and you see the blossomness of like those 30 and 40, like a lot of those people are coming from one place or they've kind of, you know, they all work together at some point and they yeah. have this, you know, this desire to, to grow, you know, whether it's doing this or doing that. But, um, yeah, I would say that it's, it's a really small number when you think the, like you, I mean, we're right here in the Mecca of tons of places and, um, yeah. there's, it, there's a very small talent pool, I should say, that's kind of pushing that agenda right now. I think it's growing for sure. Sure. You know, we're making some waves and undertow, you know, kind of getting out there as one of the best bars in the U S and, yeah. um, you know, same thing with bitter and twisted and Ross, I mean, when Ross was selling liquor to us at freaking, uh, when I worked at Robbie Fox's. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad worked with him at Southern. My, oh, no way. I never for Southern for like 25 years. Uh, so I grew up around booze. So this funny. makes, this is all starting to make sense to me now. Yeah. Okay. It's funny because people will be like, how long have you been, like, what brought you into bartending? How did you be like, well, I was like, you know, my dad was an alcoholic, so I might as well do that too. So, That's you know, awesome. and people, you know, it's a silly joke. He's not an alcoholic. Uh, but he he liked booze. He liked season aficionado. Um, but you know, I grew up with you know he's a psalm. I grew up with him t- teaching me about wine my whole life. And like there was a point in time where I just didn't really care, and it, I was it was irrelevant to me as a sixteen year old. We taste wine. I would just like pound a glass and be like, oh, it tastes like grapes. Awesome. Move on to the next one. It's like joke, whatever. Um, my sister started getting into it. She would smell the stuff, and I didn't really care at all until I started working in restaurants. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it took me. Probably a few years, I started off like dishwashing, worked my way up. Eventually, I started at culinary dropout. I was like 2014, and I was like, oh, shit, I need to learn the Bordeaux grapes. Learned all the Bordeaux grapes. I learned every ingredient on that menu and every ingredient in the cocktails to know what they were. And so I was like, okay, what's Angostura bitters? What's all the ingredients that are in that? So that's when I started really diving deep, hmm. and like I retain information really well, so it helps, and I have a good memory. So like... I could just read something. I'm like, okay, cool. It sticks. Cool. Angostura Maro is like from a town in Venezuela. Not, they don't use Angostura bark, but they have, you know, citrus and clove and cinnamon are the main flavors. Cool. You know that, you know how this cocktail is going to taste. You know why it's used. That's great. Big size wrapper, whatever, like stuff like that. And so anyway, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, so true. What I'm curious about, um, is at what point in, so you, you got into coffee after rethinking your life. Right. Um, and you're, and what, 27 years old? I was 27, yeah. And then you, how'd you get into coffee? What was like, were your prior exposure to coffee? Were you yeah. brewing at home? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't brewing at home. Um, uh, I mean, I had a, I had a French press, so I'd always been around coffee in college. And, uh, when I graduated, I think I had, I had to fill this out for an intern today. I graduated in 2008, I believe is when I finished my degree. Um, yeah, cause it took me, no, it was 2007 actually, cause it took me six years and I graduated high school in 2001. So, um, I had spent my summer after my graduation backpacking through Europe. It was one thing that I was like very adamant about doing with a buddy and so many stories on on that trip that were freaking crazy bizarre. Like it's, they should have wrote a movie about it. (laughs) Still got scars and like, I mean, I got hurt a couple of times. I I jumped off this huge, like hundred foot cliff and, um, down in, uh, Lagos, Lagos in basically Portugal. Okay. Um, I, pr- the problem was like, there was no way to get down. It really, it was like, I just try to jump in water and 
essentially the the wind blew me like 10 feet to the left and I landed on top of a rock oh. and I just, I used it as a springboard. I thought I was going to die. And I walked away with basically a little scratch or I should say stitches on my toe. Look like I got a shark bite, but Holy shit. <laughs> you could have broken your Every, femur. I mean, you it was like, I, <laughs> the whole beach was like, they're, they're watching me walk and I, and I kind of play it back in my head. Cause I remember climbing the rope and then it was a nude beach too. So it was kind of weird. Like, it was, I mean, I mean, if you've ever, if you ever get a chance or if you've been to Portugal, it's just to. this like incredible, especially down in the South. Like, uh, I think they call it the Algarve coast and uh, maybe that's wrong, but I have a really bad, like factual stuff like that. I'm like, I remember being there. Yeah. Uh, I remember it was like, you know, that those tidbits of experience, but there was a name of this place. <laughs> it was the name of this place <laughs> in Southern Portugal and it was, it was cheap. Um, the, I remember I had like the most amazing fish stew of my life for like two euros oh, um, man. and just like, you know, drinking this, you know, amazing wine right there, like looking out on the coast and, but anyways, it was a tourist town basically around English people would come down and spend their entire summer there. Damn. So it was a lot of English speaking going on. Um, but yeah, the people on the beach were just like looking at me like, what the, this guy's alive. I thought they were just looking at me cause I just jumped and was like, my foot was bleeding. I think they were like all like holy smokes like this guy should have died because you look at the cliff and I look back at pictures I'm like I yeah I jumped off of that and I just remember like looking you can see you know the bottom of the ocean in one area and then you'd see like dark holes like if you've ever gone cliff jumping like you can see like oh that's pretty dark it's probably I can jump there but yeah the, the more that you can see it's probably not okay to jump there and I just remember going like like 10 feet to the left the wind just blew me and I'm like Oh my, and I'm, you're moving so fast. And I just kept thinking to myself, okay, well, I'm going to just try to like, like almost like a Tigger moment where when I hit the water, instead of extending my body, I crunched like this and I used the rock to bounce off. And I literally bounced off the rock and the, the, the cut on my foot was from coral. I, I clipped it on my way back up. So it sliced my toe. So I have this cool so little... the rock was below. The, yeah. So I basically, my, my head didn't even go underwater. So imagine, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating a hundred feet, but it was, it was definitely over 50 feet because I've been to Havasu and I've jumped some of those really gnarly, like hundred, either way over 50 feet. Like. Dude, you're moving. It's, it's happening quick. It's like the wind is <laughs> really fast and you're just like flapping your arms like you a bird. To tigger. Like, uh, I'm spring, I literally, bro. I was like, I'm going to just, and I remember that motion just uh. like, you know, and I've had dreams about it, but. Damn. Yeah, I don't know how I got to that, but hey, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, backpacking after. Oh yeah, yeah. Exposure so coffee, coffee exposure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I spent you know three months of traveling, and we did ten countries, twenty-seven major cities. Um, had a Euro rail and made it all the way. And my last, I ended up in the Grecian Islands. I crashed on a scooter there, and it basically looked like a martyr for Christ because had my flip flops on and my wife beater. That's what we used to call the tank, you know, the tank tops back in the day being from LA. I thought we were cool. Awesome. Um, and, uh, which is so inappropriate. Wife beaters? <laughs> Wife beaters. Yeah. I, I, everyone calls them is that. Is it still, they still called that? Yeah. I don't know. I thought the I just. Tank, the Yeah. 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 Cause people beat their wives like this. That's what they wear. I know. <laughs> you're not promoting wife beating, but no, yeah. yeah. It just seems like. I think people know. would get the reference. Right. So. What else would it be? Just some like bald fat dude. It's true. Doesn't Stereotypically. Have. You know, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wearing that and my, you know, my, my rainbow flip flops and I turned around to look to see if my buddy was behind me. And then I ended up in a pothole, um, on 
Santorini. I was in Santorini at the time. Santorini. Yeah, Santorini is in one of the Grecian islands. Oh, okay. And you know the one that like looks very Grecian white like dome overlooks this huge cliff like you see you know all the bloggers like go there and it's all yeah. white and blue. Some like Mykonos or something. Like just like Mykonos, yeah. Okay. So it's just like Mykonos, white and white and beautiful. Yeah. Crazy. And I uh, just went over the bars and skidded out. Took out both my palms. Damn. Still got a funky toe because I lost a toenail on my second foot. So I got both two two wounds. One one was my left foot and the other was my right foot. Um, got to some shit in Europe, bro. It was yeah. I mean, there crazy. Was some fun stuff and finding my buddy in Amsterdam. Hand me your glass. Pour yeah. you a little more. This is what, what number on this one? This is oh shoot oh shit yeah. Dude, I can't wait for the new setup in the uh, in my new place. Like the studio is gonna be sick. Way more convenient for pouring things. Um, this is the Arizona Amaro. Okay. This I'm, is the one you're talking about. I wonder if people are tired of me talking about this stuff every podcast. <laughs> Who I cares? pour this shit for people. Guess what? I'm promoting myself. That's right. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's like 14 to 20 ingredients, seven of which come from Arizona. Cheers. Cheers. That was a deep look to the eyes. That right was, there. yeah. Well, it was born off of a little mini foraging hunt with Eric Lomsky. Um, he picked like black walnut uh, tips, uh, bergamot mint. Uh, same has the same constituent oil, uh, volatile aromatics as two of the main ones as bergamot does, which is crazy. Just a species of mint has it. Hmm. Uh, it's also known as water mint. Grows in these wet areas. Uh, so bergamot mint, black walnut tips, uh, sycamore leaves. Tangelo, Sage, and Whorehound, all from Arizona. There's juniper berries, which will be super easy to get from Arizona when I recreate this in the future. Pistachio. Huh. Lemon peel, gentian. Why pistachios? I just want to add a little nutty character. Okay. Yeah. Did you use the shell or the whole, like... Just the... Just the, the, the fruit, the meat the side. Oh, the meats, okay. Yeah, I just let them sit in there. Okay. So, I think... I think you should do like a four to six week maceration, all this stuff, depending on what I want. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's just some Arizona stuff, man. Uh, this is phenomenal. It's cool, right? It's a little yeah. edgy. It definitely tastes like Arizona. It's cloudy. It's by the way, I do add minimal col- caramel coloring to some of these just to kind of make it look better than green, dirty water. That's why, I mean, industry right. standard for tomorrow is to add caramel coloring. All of it is right. Cause that's I mean, it's brown. Yeah. Unless you like age it, but even then, most you don't want the barrel character imposing. I could get behind this. Yeah, yeah, this is right up my alley. Dope. Yeah. Little. Um, I don't know what I would compare it to. Kind of like an Arizona version of Braulio. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think uh, this is super unique. I don't think I've had anything relatively close to it that. I mean, definitely you can get the, the Amaro characters there. Yeah. Um, but the, the combination of the, the kind of the Tangelos, that acidity kind of shining through with the mint. Um, yeah, it's good. I thought you were going to tell me like through some like mushrooms in there. Or, like I think forging, I always think mushrooms. I do have, I might have some more of a mushroom Amaro I did make. I might have a little uh, bit left if you want to try okay. it. It's got All like right. reishi mushrooms. I got them dehydrated from a local grower. He's a uh, Southwest Mushrooms, I think is the company name. Okay. Really cool. Cool dude. Hmm. Cool little hippie guy. He sells at uh, Farmer's Market, supplies to a lot of different restaurants. But I think it's Southwest Mushrooms. He, I went to his 
because I hit him up on Instagram. I was like, hey, man, like, I want to buy some mushrooms off you. And, and I see you have reishi. Can I buy some? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And I want some lobster mushrooms that he harvests, like he forages as well. And so I picked some of those up just at his house in Litchfield Park. And he showed me his little facility with, like, he only could show me one room because the other room was inoculating. You don't want to interrupt it with any of your mm. spores that you're carrying. Mushrooms are crazy, dude. Fungus is everywhere. Everywhere. Like, there's different mycelium uh. nests. <laughs> what? Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's, like, theories that humans are, like, an evolved m- mushroom. Like oh, the, that's funny. The oldest living organism they've discovered is in, like, a some sort of lava pit or something that's like, dates to 2.4 billion or something. Something crazy. And it was a fung- fungus. But, uh, yeah, there's like a mycelium network in, um, you know what mycelium is? It's basically like the root structure. So okay. the, like the, all, all fungus, all mushrooms, the are, are like the fruiting bodies of the main, of the mycelium. So my, mycelium is the, mush, those, the, the fungus and the mushroom is the fruit, like which contains the spores, which is how it reproduces. So you have an apple tree and then the apple is the fruit. Same kind of deal kind of so the mycelium is like this network of just nerves essentially underneath the ground and so when the conditions are right it'll produce fruits there's one that's like two point it's the biggest species living organism on the world and in our planet on our planet is a mushroom and it's like 2.4 miles or something crazy it's like it is huge it's like this huge it's in this in an organ in the forest what yeah and like there's some yeah mushrooms are crazy dude there's like it's everywhere like yeast is in the air yeast is a type of fungus yeast right. is responsible for alcohol as you know um yeah and so mushrooms are they're everywhere that's blowing my mind right now well you ever see like openings in forests yeah there's theorized that like that mushrooms do that because mushrooms like help them hold on help trees hold on to water i can't remember all the details of this one um, and they, they decompose trees. When trees decompose in the forest, it's because of mushrooms are breaking them down. And so mushrooms are also like getting looked at for antibiotic reasons because they're always encountering bacteria. They're always fighting them off. Interesting. Like mushrooms can solve puzzles. They've solved a maze in Japan. They had this like fungus that solved a maze. <laughs> what? It's like this slime fungus. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. And uh, they, were th- they were regarded as plants up until the 80s. And they realize they're in their own... Own category? Own order, I think is the order. Order, wow. Yeah, there's like kingdom phyla, genera order. I don't remember right. all the okay. biology stuff. Mushrooms, crazy. Anyway, this guy uh, I met, <laughs> Southwest Mushrooms. Mushroom Amaros. His name's John. Yeah, there's a, I think, Carciofo? No, that's Artichoke. There's an tart, I guess it's the tea, Blaze at, at Trotta was telling me about it. And he Blaze and tasted it. His <coughs> own Mushroom Amaro had like seven or eight different mushrooms in it a little acidic it was cool hmm. mushrooms add a cool element to it people just get weird about mushrooms but yeah uh it'd be really cool my intention one day would to be recreate this but as a vermouth fun i think it could work yeah arizona vermouth i think that'd be really fun yeah you could change that around and kind of tone some of the edginess down and right. like really let the bergamot and the tangelo kind of shine bright and then and let it be this approachable vermouth you know, so we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, how did you get connected with Dan? How did you guys meet? Dude, Dan was one of my first customers. So Dan, as you, you've gotten to know Dan a little bit, he's yeah, super dynamic. Probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Yeah, um, very humble. Uh, 
just kind of like this plethora of knowledge. You, know, you start getting into conversations and you're like, whoa, mm. did not expect that. And it's just yeah. like, and he has this response. He's like, oh yeah, did you know that this is just like, me, I just kind of go with it. I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. Like, I'd love to hear more. But he about apologizes it. sometimes too. He's like, he oh, does. sorry. If I'm like, no, 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 please. I want yeah, he'll down. ramble. He'll go like on this, like, oh, I'm like, I'm in the rabbit hole. I'm so comfortable. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually finish his sentence. And if he listens to this podcast, so he's probably laughing right now because I, I think I do this all the time with him because he'll start describing something and I'll be like, oh, yeah. Da-da. And he's like, can you. <sighs> <laughs> So he gets kind of mad at me. It's this fun, kind of not so fun game that we play. Uh, That's funny. But Dan was one of my first customers. I opened up this little coffee shop called The Grove. It was inside of a church. Wait, you opened up The Grove? I worked at The Grove coffee shop. That was my first job. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Like Becky LeMay. Come I, on. I went to The Grove. My parents ran like the sixth grade. Come on, shit. dude. Yeah. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I grew up going to the beef when it was right, at Santana. It's been a great podcast. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like I never met you through that that whole thing. So that's like, how I know Austin. Yeah, I figured as much. That's okay. how you knew. Kyle so Austin I came in. So Paul Gunther and I met on a Sunday. Uh, I wanted to go to Africa, and the next thing I know, I'm like volunteering, and they found <laughs> out that I had a food and beverage background. And you know, God bless Becky May and Steve. Love them to this day. Very eclectic group. Um, but they, you know, she was she was out of it. She she wasn't passionate about coffee. They were just, they wanted to serve and volunteer and she had organization skills. And the coffee shop was already existing prior to you. Yeah, but it was, a, it was like a snack bar and it was just a Sunday thing. Yeah. So it was That's a Sunday, it was That's like, it was like going to a little league baseball game and they had like fun dips and, you know, muffins from Costco and a blend frappuccino. Right. Like Fraps and really bad coffee. <laughs> yeah. That was my first job as a barista. Dude, so I wouldn't call it a barista, but I, I took that over and I think it was. July, I think it was August. Cause yeah, the whole car thing happened in June. And then I just was like, you know, I need to, I kind of like want to get back. I wanted to be, this is, this is probably blow your mind too. I wanted to be a pastor. Really? So yeah, I was like going down the rabbit hole. I, I really, you know, I was part of a, a church called the vineyard and I got really into like, you know, kind of where that started from and, mm-hmm. um, wanted to go and get my MDiv after I finished my, you know, my under, my, undergraduate degree MDiv can masters in divinity that's what I thought so I wanted to you know kind of be accredited uh there's a school in there's actually a, a spin-off campus here in Phoenix now it's called Fuller um okay. it's in Pasadena and had some buddies that were going to Fuller at the time and they had a masters of divinity and art kind of program that I was really fascinated with and kind of how that approach to faith and and not just from the sense of you know a Christian you know kind of background it was like this it was a i mean it was hardcore like i mean you're getting into hermeneutics and you're you know you're starting to talk the different you know hebrew aramaics and you're learning different languages and yeah just so understanding the basis and the context of where all these things kind of derive from and how they've kind of all spun off into their own thing into modern day you know church and what that is and yeah. the spiritual side of things so yeah that's freaking crazy so i, mm-hmm. I one of the th- the thing that led me to the grove though kind of had this spiritual moment where I kept having it. So living that I lived in near the Grove, I would drive up Gilbert road to get on the 202 to go to Robbie Fox's and the Grove has the reason it's called the Grove is because of the pistachio trees. Yeah. They're pretty much all gone now, huh? Yeah. Freaking shitheads. So mad about that. Anyways, um, that's why I'm folding my arms because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, getting uncomfortable right now. I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, those, whatever, you know, it's so not that, those, thing. those trees, I have a bonsai tree on my arm. OK, 
Okay, I'm listening to get more soda water. No, you're fine. So I have a bonsai tree on my arm, and a bonsai tree is one of those very unique kind of, you know, lost arts in a lot of ways. You see them now on the side of the road. There's got some guy that's been, you know, perfecting the bonsai tree. Um, but the idea of the bonsai tree is, is that you're always clipping it and trimming it, right? Uh, I had read a book and had a mentor in my life that had this, you know, this called, it was like the bonsai believer. It was kind of this chapter that really, like, started the narrative for me. So I had this great connection. So I have this cool, like, I can't see because my sleeves are too too tight. I'm getting fat. Um, but you'll never see the roots of a bonsai tree. That's one thing you'll notice. They're always in, they're boxed in. And in order for them to grow properly, like, you're always trimming them and cutting them. So the first part of my life, I felt like I let people cut me and trim me down to be somebody that I wasn't. Yeah. The next part of my life was like this faith journey where the roots of my life were, you know, to kind of get into a biblical context. It was like, I really felt like, you know, I was kind of expanding my faith journey and kind of laying a foundation for the rest of my life. So like that kind of narrative kept playing in my head and I would drive by these freaking pistachio trees. I didn't even know it was a church. Okay. I just, I stopped by one day and I wanted to know what it was because I was so like moved by those pistachio trees. Yeah. It's a cool building too. Dude. Yeah. I the mean, new I, building is. I haven't been, honestly. So it's same architect. Okay. That designed Arcadia. Uh, 30, oh, really? Thirty second. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Oh, wow. Cool stuff came out of there. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I ended up volunteering. I got pulled in. I didn't even like the. I didn't even like. I didn't want to be there. I just didn't want to be there. I was really uncomfortable. Kind of my conversations with some people there and at the um, Grove. Yeah, it was. I just. It was. You know. But then it's, I met. And then I met Paul Gunther. Yeah. And Paul and I are still friends today. And I've seen him in. Dude, he's still the same. He is here in this poor. He just did so a. Awesome. It sounds like you're peeing. Um, I am. I was kind of peeing right into your glass. Sorry, Lawrence. You know, no, it's okay. That. <sighs> That's good. Um, I got a good angle. Mm-hmm. But he, <laughs> he was just an incredible, incredible guy. I mean, remember that song, "Kiss Me." He like was the manager of that song. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Six pence, none the richer. Yeah, was the name of the band. Yeah, and he, he's actually like a freaking marketing genius. Like the guy he was like the OG of like guerrilla marketing and like what he would do to go out and like how six pin on the richer, like became this, you know, platinum selling like one hit wonder in some sense. He's got that freaking platinum. Like it's in mm-hmm. his office. It's such a random, I'm like, is that real dude? Yeah. <laughs> you I look him that. up and it's like Paul Gunther da, 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 managing. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So anyways, him and I just had a lot in common and it really made me feel comfortable. Like I needed a friend, you know, someone who could encourage me and, I didn't even know what I was going to do. Coffee wasn't even like really a conversation, but then he approached me. I just kept hanging out. Like I'd go work at Robbie's and then I'd end up on my days off instead of playing golf. I, you know, when I realized that I had this problem with narcotics, I kind of hung my sticks up because I just wasn't in it anymore. And I mm-hmm. had to realize also that my body couldn't sustain, yeah. you know, basically taking this on, which I'm on this like rehabilitation, like formula now where, I've changed my lifestyle where I can actually start playing golf again. So it's kind of cool to see, awesome, you know, man, introducing right. stretching and yoga and certain components of how I treat my body to, mm-hmm. you know, not have inflammation in certain parts of my body to where I can actually go out and swing a club for 18 holes. I mean, I still get sore, but it's not like I need to pop, you know, something to take away the pain. It's actually enjoyable again. Cool. Excuse me. So yeah, they, Paul's like, dude, I got it. I can get you out of the bar. I can get you, I get you a job. And I was like, he's always got this like strategic little scheme going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, you can run the coffee shop. Like we really want a coffee shop. Like the whole building was built to be a coffee shop. Yeah. But we've never had like the right operator. And he's like, why don't you try it out? We'll pay you a hundred bucks a week, you know, <laughs> to, to, to basically 
organize volunteers and take over the coffee program. I was like, hundred bucks. It's great. The volunteers. Awesome. I got this. And, uh, it was like two months into it. And I kind of started, you know, I working at Robbie's, we did have my first exposure to especially coffee. was cartel. So, okay. I mean, Robbie's was right there in mill. And I mean, cartel had just kind of basically, I think it was only like a year and a half into two years. So, cartel was this really small, small yeah, I remember that. you know and the little like cardboard <clears throat> signs everywhere it's like cappuccino to go like f you like there's just so much to like you know inappropriate com- like man this is kind of edgy like what's going on here they, yeah the, back in the day cartel wow oh jason was just like it took 30 minutes to get a drink because it was <laughs> just talk your head off yeah um so i was kind of like is that I, the owner jason yeah okay i haven't met fuzzball um so fuzz and you know kind of was the program was growing um, they were really into just, you know, the idea of specialty. And um, I had one of the best cappuccinos at that point in my, you know, life. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I just kept finding myself coming back to Cartel. And yeah, I fell in love with, like, this side of, you know, the musical kind of side of me. Kind of like starting to engage. You know, I live, like, right in the middle of, I think, an artist and a businessman. Mm-hmm. I speak both languages. So it's like I can really get along with people who kind of tend to have that artist side of their brain and then I can turn on the business switch and just start talking about numbers and scalability and understand both languages like yeah. it's a really interesting position to be in as an owner in a company and kind of you know trying to navigate through business and craft there's a, there's a weird collision there that I think the business side's like what why would you do that and then there's the craft side's like well duh that's the only reason you do that um yep. so yeah Long story short, uh, I took over the Grove and two months they gave me a position and I ran it from six to six, um, six days a week, no, five days a week. It was like five, it was five days on one day off. No, it was like six days. That's weird. Six, six, six. That's weird. That is, (laughs) there it is. Uh, so yeah, I I did that for a couple months and then they offered me a full-time position um, so I came on staff as like a staff member. I just wasn't a coffee guy. And that was where I met Dan. That's where the answer to that question came in. So Dan, ironically, he had lived down the street uh, and saw the little like pop-up sign. And Dan, so, he was so funny. I can still remember him coming in and he had like shorter hair and kind of had like these really dorky like shorts on. And I'm like, what is this guy? Like, what's he doing? You know, it was very random because I, I got to know my customers really well. There wasn't a lot of them, so it was really easy to build. Like, we'd have, sometimes you'd walk in and I'd be sleeping on the couch because it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and, you know, I'm like, well, everybody's gone, and I'm tired because I'm pulling six days a week, and it's like, <sighs> customer yeah. walk in, and I'm like, hey! But so, so this was, what, 2011-ish? 2010, and we're still 2010. Still 2010? Yeah. Okay. Because I think the last time I went to the Grove was probably 2010. Probably 2010. Right before that coffee shop opened, yeah, because I like I started working and I would work on Sundays, and then I just realized that 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 whole world's not necessarily for me anymore. Yeah, um, and uh, I have I straight up haven't been. I haven't been to the new building. Like some of my best friends in the world are still. Yeah, which so that makes sense. Time. Why Evan and Austin and Kyle and yeah, they were all like, well, you guys were all the same age. I think. Yeah, I know Kyle since I was fifteen. I mean, at the church, like, he was just like a. You know, a few years older than me, we'd be, we'd, we're friends and we would, we got, one of our first hangs was at a Circus Survive show. We went to see Circus Survive together. Um, and then eventually 
the friendship was still there. We we moved in together. Me, Kyle, uh, our friend Michael, and then Kevin Everhart, Michael McKinney. Were you at Kyle's house? Uh, the one on 18th Street in Tempe. Oh, okay. So the I one. lived with Kyle prior to that house. You lived with him at the... Yes. The Harry Potter room. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you know all about... Oh, that's right. Holy shit, Lawrence. I... Because you and I ran into each other there. We, we did never, run any, We didn't we have a conversation. Because yeah. I was just always so stoned. You were the kid in the corner that was stoned out of your mind. And I was like, is that guy okay? I literally remember asking Kyle. I was like, is he okay? Is, <laughs> I is had, he okay? Because a few times. You did that guy. move right there. Your, your arms would be crossed and you'd be yeah. sitting on the couch. And I was like, all right. It was a weird. It was a weird time for all of us because we were always looking for some place to party. Oh, and that was the house. How, how was his dad's house? His dad's old house. Yeah, right? the, his parent, his dad lost his job, and it was kind of a trim. I mean, I felt really bad even moving in for. I think I was there for like six months or five months, but it was less than that. But it was, holy shit, you did live there. <laughs> I was upstairs. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, there was yeah. Roof Cat. And there was the Harry Potter room, and there was Harry always Potter something room. like inappropriate happening at all times, which was really was a weird kind of environment for me to be in, because <laughs> here I am like running a church coffee shop, <laughs> and then I'm living with like these 18, 19 year old kids that are, I think I think the, his parents felt like I was gonna be like the dad in some way, because it was like you know nope permission. I mean he was he he was living with his girlfriend who ended up getting married that I I married them, which was I know. was their first marriage, first marriage that I had ever done. Um, yeah which was kind of a bummer, you know. Um, thankfully, my brother's still married, so I'm like, you know, I'm 50-50 on the, on the certificate <laughs> Might side. Might as well keep it now. Ordained, never, yeah, ordained 50-50. Um, I'm trying to get to two, to two and one, you know, so I can have a little bit more favorable odds. Yeah, that's actually probably reasonable. Yeah, so okay. I don't like the 50-50. I don't want some more than that, a little bit more than, I'll than Vegas odds. I'll hit you up odds. if I find someone to marry. Okay. Um, it's actually, you know, it's been really, it's, it's such an honor when, you know, Kyle was a little brother to me in so many different ways. I mean, uh, we were we were perfect for each other because he he was like on the edge of like trying to figure himself out, but he had so much like he had just these all these different amazing skill sets and yeah, um, nobody had really encouraged him in that component of who he was. I think it was always kind of like this restriction is like oh that's too much, don't no it's too much, and I was just like no dude like push yourself over the edge like it's probably not gonna feel great yeah you know you'll find out when you get hurt and you need to get back up just don't go too far. Yeah. And um, that's always been like my, even through his divorce and stuff like that, I'm like, dude, if you can't save it, you're not going to change somebody like, you know, at some point, Sometimes, you know. Yeah. If you force puzzle pieces, the cardboard breaks, you know, dude, it's not. Yeah. So it's cool to see him, you know, on a personal level rebuild. Oh, he's going for it. He's tra- the traveling he's doing. The, dude. Yeah. Like, he's such a silly goof. He is a goof. Like, <laughs> and he's got so many gray hairs. Oh my god! I know. Gosh. Well, he's not going gray when I live with him. Yeah, he's yeah. No. Holy shit! Okay, I'm just kind of like floored that I forgot about this. Yeah, part the Grove you, and Kyle and, and you lived in that house in Harry right. Potter land. Oh, I didn't. Man. I honestly didn't go over that place that much. I was working a lot. and I had a girlfriend at the time, and so I was spending a lot of time with her or whatever. And like, it was. It was just, yeah, it was just funny. Um, that whole, that, I remember being in the Harry Potter room, like, God, that's been the first time I ever had someone do, are you, hi, how are you? I'm good. No, I said, how high are you? Oh, uh-huh. I'm super high. Wait, what? What did you say? Hi, how are you? Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and you're so stoned and you're reversing words. It's just like so silly. In the moment. Oh, yeah. And so I still use that to this day to people. And it's funny. Um, it doesn't really work too well, but you have to be kind of high or very stoned intoxicated or a, a child true 
yeah. which you could just play more into. More like a child, like a 20-year-old child. If you're 26, yeah. you've, been, you've been around the block with weed. You're like, you're fucking with me. Shut up. <laughs> that's usually what happens. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. Yeah, and then, yeah, Kyle, uh, Kyle had, um, yeah, fuck, that's crazy. Crazy shit. So, yeah, yeah coffee. Dan, Dan was customer. He woke he, you up on the couch, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, I wasn't sleeping at that time. Oh, okay. But he, he, he ordered an espresso. And I'm like, nobody drinks espresso. You know, we're not, we're not a cartel. So it's like, I don't have a soda water and you know, this is, we're serving cartel beans, by the way. Oh, that was um, cool. I we did that, that for about a year until I really kind of dove down that rabbit hole and, you know, started provision. Hmm. But he orders an espresso and I asked him how it was, you know, I, I mean, being in the service industry, like I want honest feedback. And he's like, he hesitated and I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's not so good. And I was like, what do you like about it? You know? And he's like, well, when's the last time you cleaned the screen? And I was like, well, I don't know. So he's like, well, pop your head underneath there. And I was like, oh yeah, I probably could use a little brush action. He's like, well, what's your cleaning procedure? And I was like, huh? He's like, yeah. How often are you cleaning the group head? I was like, end of the day. He's like, hmm. And I was like, okay. And I felt like he was judging me. And then I was like, well, what else can you tell me? And then finally that just kind of like evolved in this conversation. That's cool. You weren't a cocky asshole. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I, well, that's the one thing. So one of the things not to point any fingers at anybody in specialty coffee, but I think whenever we get into craft, there's such a small minute of people actually understand craft that I think mm-hmm. I come into your house and it's like, holy smokes. There's like, there's experiments and there's stuff growing out front and, there's things in jars and like you, you're not just some guy who's like, Oh, I know this stuff. Like you're, you're living it and you love it. And it's something that you, yeah, you're like looking around you're like, yeah, I got some cool shit in my house. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. This wouldn't happen normal. when you're married, by the way, this is all going to go away. So I'm not going to get married. Oh, you say that now for maybe I'm not opposed to it, but for the foreseeable future. No, you, you say that now. What's, uh, what's today? 16th. Yeah. Yeah, it's July 16th, 2019. It, it, Going on the people. record right now. Going on the record. It's on the record. I don't intend to get married yet. Nah, here's the thing. Not guy, opposed. No. Not opposed. I, here's something I think you'll realize as you get older. And the more you get to know yourself, mm-hmm. the more powerful it is to be with someone else who understands themselves. Yes. And that gives me goosebumps saying that. But I think when yeah. we're young, like we want, we want to be excited about something, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why young marriage is really tough. But I had this thing where I'm like, I'm not getting married till I'm 30. And here's why. Because I wanted to really understand who it was. And and there's plenty of books and there's tons of things that you can read that'll say like, when you turn 30, there's like this switch that goes off that all of a sudden you're like, hmm, maybe I should spend some more time thinking about that. And you start having like maturity sets in and certain life experiences hopefully have led you to this place where you're not an arrogant asshole yeah. and you're not opposed to being humbled because people who are older, you have different experiences that will tell you that whatever you're doing right now, it's probably going to lead in this direction 99.9% of the time. Like, yeah. it's just how humans, I mean, yeah, I there's failed before. Right. Listen to me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you, you got to do it. I mean, you got to experience it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you being 25 and being as far down that road of understanding, I think the, the couple of things just to kind of brag about you that I think are really cool. Thanks. Um, that you'll find the opposite of sex or whatever you're into will be an attraction. I'm into um, myself, so that's why I can't get married. Okay, well, well, well that's fine. 
I want me identifying. No, I'm joking. You say that now, but I think that there's there's a romantic side to you that I think. Oh, no. Oh, there is. Dude, I do. I oh, can, for I can so see long, it. I want to find my match with partner, but I'm like at a place right now where I'm like. It's good. Stay there. You got to win. You gotta You're win. 25. You, you got to be a fuck. I need to find so much. I have so much about myself to learn. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I think it's good to have that. I mean, what I always tell guys, younger guys, I'm like, just just do what you love. Do more of it. Keep mm-hmm. doing more of it. Keep doing more of it. And then look around. Instead of like now today, it's like, I mean, we didn't have, I didn't have Tinder and I didn't have like all these Ugh. weird dating, disgusting apps of like, it just, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. Cause here's the thing. Human interaction is powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why your podcast has been, I think not just a place for you to voice and ask questions and get to know people, but it's empowering when you start hearing people's stories. Yeah. Right. You're like, holy smokes. I want, and I want people to hear, I want people yeah. to hear about you. Like our connection you know? too. Like it's yeah. like, holy smokes. So yeah. you start realizing like you're, you're not that far removed and you and I didn't really know each other up until this point. And yeah. just thinking about, oh man, that was like almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Like Holy literally, shit. And now it's 10 years later. <laughs> it's, a, it's my it's mind's being 10 cool. years of experience. Yeah. Like I'm telling you right now, I was pretty much like in your position. I wanted to be really into myself. I really wanted to understand who I was. And mm-hmm. I happened to meet my wife who just thought I was, you know, good looking and could spit some game and didn't realize that I was actually marriage quality. And, you know, we, we have a different story, but we, we have a little girl and, um, we really kind of just, she just texted me. I just saw my phone light up. It's my wife. Where are you? Um, <laughs> we had this connection that We're was talking about you, babe. Was just so <laughs> unique that we were like polar opposites and, but yeah. she's exactly what I need. And I, that's the thing I knew what I needed because I am the, highly romantic like Scorpio and but I'm also if you're an Enneagram fan I'm a two I'm a hard two so some people will think that my interest in them is for something to gain something and it has absolutely nothing to do with that it's legitimately because I'm in a field where people want to ask those kind of questions to gain access to something for me it's just genuine curiosity like who are you what do you do how can I support you? Like, where are you going for the mo? Cause the motive for me is actually seeing you thrive for who you are. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Now the bad version of that is, is if I use that to my advantage, like, you know, as I learn more about the Enneagram stuff, but that's usually when I'm in a, that's in a, ba- like when I'm in a bad season, I'm trying to position myself. So I'm in a really good season in my life where yeah. I'm recognizing <clears throat> the components of who I am as an individual. And I've always been that way. I've always really enjoyed. That's why I love hospitality. I love to serve. And that's why I was always great yeah. at like working at high end restaurants. And I mean, I had this cool little French cuisine uh, job that I worked in. You ever see the Flintstones? Mm-hmm. So you know those rocks that you see in the background? It's I think out, so. So it's called Vasquez Rocks. It's these really cool formations. They're in lots of movies. It's just outside of LA. Oh, okay. Behind Vasquez Rocks sits this little um, French cuisine called Le Chien. And uh, it's this cool little, like it was an old 19, 18, I was like 1890s. A gas station that expanded into this room, and nice. um, this uh, a Spaniard um, took it over. And but he was a, a master chef in French cuisine, and mm. like has grows his own grapes on the property. Like that whole area has been kind of like really evolving. But cool. I, I loved being in this little. I had my own little tiny bar, and uh, I would walk with like three, four hundred bucks a night, and I'd work for like four hours. I mean, it was like you know, it was pretty high. Like, but it was one of those places you went and. Um, it was pretty incredible and, yeah. uh, yeah, but that's, you know, understanding why I was 
I don't want to say I was so good at it, but it was, there was definitely, you know, there was, there's, I loved what I did and it was genuine. And I think people that's, really, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. People really saw that. And I think that, that it takes time now, you know, times have changed and, mm-hmm. you know, now that I own a company and, you know, there's, there's always kind of like people on the outside wondering, asking questions like this stuff and that. And it's like, I think the one thing you can definitely experience when you come to our store that has rippled from like what I would call like our ethos or my heartbeat is, is that like be, just be genuine heartbeat like that. Just be genuine. Mm-hmm. Love people where they're at. doesn't have to be from the faith component for me. That's where it is. That's where I identify with it. But yeah, that's where you draw it from. Yeah, yeah. But for, for other people, just, just respect people, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter who they are, what they're going through. Like, that genuine like hey how are you like it's one thing that i really try to tell the team is like you just don't know what people are experiencing they they may be in a rush and they just don't want to talk but you know we try to hire people that kind of can dig into that and have those questions and sometimes you know people take a little bit longer but i think you've gotten to experience that firsthand and kind of getting to know the team there and oh yeah becoming a regular and yeah i mean i mean like i went into the the, your old provision which i did i only found out that Mm. closed a few yeah a few weeks ago let's not talk about that the next episode, huh? No, we, it's not that big of a deal, actually. I we could we could talk about it another time. Um, uh, obviously, I know you have to get going soon. What where's, where's your time at? Uh, you got, got, no, I've got another twenty minutes or so. Okay, cool, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, we're good. I'm just letting her let the wifey know real quick. Cool, man. <laughs> Sorry, that's no, the only text good. I'm actually going to respond to. Fifteen that have come through. Uh, yeah, I just saw a funny text. Yeah, that's 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 perfect. I saw a really funny text because I have a I have a silly voicemail on my phone. Um, if you call, you can, All right, yeah, I'm I, like, I don't it. remember what the hell I say. I said something, I, I stole like a stranger things line saying like, Hey, I'm doing, probably doing something very important. That's why I can't answer. Have you ever called it on the podcast to listen to it? Uh, no. Can we call it? Why not? Should I call it? I'll call yeah. you. Yeah. Just don't pick up. I'm sure I could just replay. You call it. Let's do the can you replay way. it? Let's do the traditional way. I don't want to figure oh, out. No, it's, I think it's better when you call cause then it's actually, it's like, it's real. Yeah. You might have to hear my ringer. Hey, we're going to call Matt. It's not picking up. It's really weird. He must be busy. I don't know. Gosh, dude. This guy's always busy. Driving crazy. Hello, you have reached the number that you have called. This is a default recording made by a computer. Um, I'm probably doing something very important right now, and I can't take this message. Or you happen to be a number I don't want to answer, or I don't really feel like chatting on the phone. There are a variety of... Um, options as to why I have not answered uh, the phone call at this time. So if you leave a message, I may listen to it, but call back if it's important. All right. Hey, Matt, that was a really long message. You could have just said you were unavailable. Um, It's been great. It's been fun. But no, just kidding. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I will listen to it later. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is actually pretty funny. I forgot I did that like two <laughs> years ago or something. Yeah, I may or may not. It's just, you know, it's being real. But I want to kind of piggyback off what you're saying sure. when it comes to being genuine. I think like it's just being honest and truthful. And sometimes like, honestly, like last night I had an, uh, an encounter with people. Where I was, they're like, hey, can we ask you a question? I was like, I'm so sorry. Give me like three minutes. I'll be right back. I was in the middle of making like seven drinks or nine drinks or something. It was just like super stressed. I had like the whole floor... We just got we just got shit on for just a second, um, and I was like, "I'm I'll give you all my attention when I can." Sorry, I'm a little flustered right now, and I don't want to be rude. I'll be right back. <laughs> and I was just honestly like, "How often do you ever have a bartender or server tell you that?" You know, like, I'm gonna tell you what is going on. Like I'm so that way you're not in the dust. And I came back and I'm like, "Like, hey, sorry about that. Like, what what's up? I'm a human. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. here. And so, and they end up like, you, you were so awesome. Like I was just cracking jokes with them. Said, I love you on the way out. This silly shit. I love saying like, bye guys. Love you. See you at home. Like see you at home. <laughs> you, you won't see me, but I'll see you. Oh God. That's, well, that's weird. That's boom, creepy. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, no, I just want to make sure they're safe for us. Um, okay. All right. Fine. I like making sure my friends are safe. And <clears throat> yeah, there's like something like that where like, you know, so, so you never know what some other human is going through. And whenever I ask those questions, I'm like, how are you? Like, oh, I'm good. Well, what no. the, fuck does, what the yeah. fuck does that mean? Right. Did, you know, did your dog die last weekend? Is your grandma okay? Like, whatever. Right. Like, what's going on? You know, like, how are you? What are you willing to share with me? Cool. I, I can kind of, when I know that, that's also an aspect of how can I be more hospitable to somebody uh, in that moment is, is like, how, like, how can I, like, um, properly and honestly interact with where that person's mm. at and see where their energy's at and try to kind of, you know, feed some of mine into there. Cause, but there's also times where I'm completely depleted of energy and I've worked 60 hours for the last five weeks and I'm burnt out and I have nothing to give and I can be kind of rude. And I really try not to, I try to be, try to be as self-aware as possible, but sometimes it falls through, you know, and like, yeah. you know, I'm sure your staff, you probably see it sometimes they're, they're almost all of them are doing something else besides work. Some right. sort of creative project and right. like a lot of creatives and that's I think that's so awesome that's so cool yeah that's it's so cool I want to get together with Ocean badly but I'm waiting oh. for the time to be ripe I'm, it's not ripe yet like once the t- it's going to get to the point where it bubbles up like I have to hang out with you dude when, when can we do this he's I remember one of the coolest people I didn't even see his resume and he walked in and he just gave out this aura that was so incredible and so giving and I was like yeah I was like did that guy interview well? And they're like, I'm like, yeah, just, and I don't think I've actually even told him that. I was just like, he just had this, like, I just wanted to hug the guy. I was like, there's yeah. something about him. Like you see somebody, and you meet somebody. I was like, dude, you're, I don't know what you're doing, but yeah, we like see each other. You know, we will talk and stuff at the shop. Or we, but we'll, or Have you seen his new do his new hairdo? Yeah. All bleached. Yeah. I love it. I was like, <laughs> is that you? Like, what's up? I don't, I hardly know him. I know what he does. He's a fashion yeah. model and or photographer. photographer. Yeah. Model photographer. And, um, right. And I guess he models too sometimes, but he does, he's modeled, but he, uh, him and I have this thing where we see each other, like we're going to hang one time. It's going to happen. And we both, I I, I guarantee he says it like, like, Oh, I see you. You're cool. But is this never happened? I think one, one day it's going to boil to the point where like, come on, come to the podcast is hang talk and we're going to hang. I think it's going to happen, but I just, I'm waiting. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go hit ocean. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until that's good. (laughs) It's kind of a silly thing. Hopefully ocean, if you're listening to this, you've already hung at that point, but you know, I plan on posting this in like a week or so. Great. I'll let you know before I do it. Cool. Um, one last thing I'm going to pour you, uh, a little, little special uh, of my little uh, uh, words. No, we're gonna get the we're gonna the wine glasses this time. This is oh, my okay. prized baby possession. This is my favorite thing I've ever made, and I uh, hope you like it. Um, I accidentally made something that tastes a hell of a lot like chartreuse. Um, oh, interesting. And yeah, I would one question as a final last little wrap up story. I want people to know how provision got started. Um, beyond the meeting of Dan, Dan kind of gave you right. some tips on that's where we left off in the story. Cheers, my friend. Big Thank you so much for coming, by the way. This Thanks is for having me. It's a blast. Ooh. Yeah. That's good. That's good. You should be proud of that. I'm super proud. What do you proud. call this? 
for now it's herbal liqueur. I don't have any okay special special names. Like twenty two herbs. The 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 thickness, the the density there. There's like there's so much going on in there that's got layers and layers and layers of. Yeah, some kind of that savory. Yeah, I'm like you're doing the same thing process. right now. You the last time I drank it was after a shift, and I just my palate was fried. Right now my palate's pretty fresh. I'm like, oh, tasting peach, like skunkiness at the end. There's a nice little skunk on the end, and which for you listeners, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of that bitterness, kind of real mild, real mildly bitter. we hit Uh-oh. Hmm. if you're hearing okay i think it's just you and me hearing that one second i don't it's know okay. it's my headphones it's your headphones i think it's the headphones yeah hmm. what's going on we're having some technical shit whoo Whatever, I think we can, get, okay. we can get past it. We sound like weird robots for now. We can even take them off and just stay oh. in the same place. Yeah, there we go. Now we're out of the zone. Isn't that weird? Oh my gosh. Just being away from the... That's kind of cool whenever I have these things because we both get trapped in this little world. I together. It definitely has a dynamic of like, like oh, I'm entering into a space. We're in it. But we haven't changed space. Yeah. That's why I like the headphones because you can monitor things and not you can hear crackly stuff. We're People, we're having a little crackle issue and I hope it's not coming through on the actual... Crackly pop. So the question was, yeah. uh, how how did I start provision? Yeah. So it was kind of a so it was a life you know like kind of life altering, you know the grow was a big part of it. It was like the a stepping stone of realizing that I wanted to do something more geared in hospitality. The second was I just I kind of started having like these you know I don't want to call them like crazy visions, but I almost I was getting like glimpses of what potentially could be. And it was pivoting off of already being in food and beverage for such a long time. I knew mm-hmm. the first time that I worked in a steak restaurant when I was like 17, I knew that I wanted to own a hospitality company. I was like, I love this. I love being yeah. behind the bar. I love seeing interaction with customers. I love, I love the smells. I love the, this idea of innovation. And like when you, when you, when you peel back the layers and you, and you become a customer and you look in and you start looking at these certain components. And then as a creator, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Like mm. we used to have certain dishes with like, you know, flat iron casts and like, like butter would be on it and be like popping. I can, I can recreate those things for myself. And I remember identifying. So provision was basically just this evolution of understanding like more than narrative that I had. I don't think provision is actually the last thing that I'll do in regards to food and beverage. It's just a starting point. Okay. Um, it's, it's been an incredible journey to, I mean, there's a lot of things that go on the coffee side that, yeah. uh, you know, how I got into kind of this idea of direct, you know, working with farmers, basically met a guy who knew a guy who met a guy in an airplane in Guatemala and looked him up on Facebook. And six months later I was how it works in the northern region of Guatemala uh, in Quiche and was having this like life blowing experience wow crazy part was is that the coffee that was coming from this Finca Finca La Esperanza was being served at Cartel at the time and the guy from Mercanta who basically is their biggest importer for Cartel his name was Christian and Christian was helping the farmers who happened to be connected to the guy that I knew who met from a guy on a guy on an airplane. Uh-huh. So it was like this weird, like, Holy smokes. Yeah. And the, Fuck. so there's this alignment and it's just been this progression of, 
you know, I've always loved cocktails and, um, I've always loved, you know, for me, hospitality is like, there's three pillars. There's in terms of like how we maintain and grow and like bring new people in and have like this overall, like how do you exist as a business? Well, my formula is really simple. It's one space unique, like spaces have souls. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, it doesn't, I mean, they can all vary in terms of different genres and design and, but there's a sense of like, you can be in a really cool space and just feels dead. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm really motivated on, and I think soul is like for humans, it's, we fill it with people who have soul. There's a particular restaurant I'm thinking of immediately upon you saying space is feeling dead. Right. Then yeah. you're just like, wow, this could be really great, but it just feels dead. It's like yeah. an organism that's dead. Oh God. Yeah. But it's a machine. Mm-hmm. So I think in order to withstand the test of time, you have to insert soul into a space. So you create, for us, it's create really like cool spaces around architecture which my architect happens to believe that, you know, uh, his idea is to use simple elements of design and raw materials to create this kind of idea of what space that it has a soul that's living. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just ingrained and like there's different layers and fibers of it. You want to try to test those out? Is that working? Oh, you're still, I'm yeah, still buzzing. Still, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I wonder, I wonder if it like plays through in the thing. Is it here? Mm-hmm. Or is it? Let's see. I'm going to try. Plug, unplug my headphones. See if that does the trick. No, that won't do the trick. It's not the trick. No, it's not the trick. So it's the audio. It's the audio, but like, oh no, it can't be the it can't be the mic cables. Here, go in the back of your mic and kind of push it in a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Let's see. We're gonna pause for a quick minute. Back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Great. So second point. Uh, it's customer service. So the first is space. Space. Second is customer service. So I think you legitimately have about 30 seconds to interact with the customer. I mean, that's kind of probably a really small window, but I think for first timers, Uh there's like a 30 second to a minute window where we need to engage that person, to person engagement, person, person. Okay. So whether it's very simple gesture, Hey, welcome in the lines this way. Uh, we have, we have menus up here or Hey, welcome in. Like just acknowledging somebody, you know, we, we cheers eye to eye, but acknowledging somebody like, Hey, I see you. Yeah. I'll be right with you or come this way. Yeah. Just that it's very simple. It doesn't have to be like, Hey, how are you? What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Like I say, hi, I acknowledge your presence. I'll be right over as soon as I can, you know, stuff like that. Genuine response. Yeah. So I think that's, that's part of the, you know, the engagement of you automatically let somebody know that they're there and you see them, um, speaks into, I think hospitality at its highest levels. So we can execute that. Amazing. And then the third thing is the quality of the product. So that can kind of go on many different levels, but essentially, you know, the, the root there is, is that we're trying to give you the best that we possibly can for, ooh, excuse me, we're digesting oh, soda water in the digestifs. Yeah. Um, that idea of, of taking craft and, in, you know, inserting into that formula. So for Dan and I, it's like, we, we really care about the products that we are using. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I think if you look at our small selection of spirits that we have, like we're trying to select the smallest. I mean, we just have a really like eclectic kind of collection of small things. And we've got, you know, obviously I love Amaro. So yeah. Dan kind of fought me on that. He's like, why are so many Amaros? I'm like, dude, that's what I love. So industry got, people love that shit. They do. And there's, I mean, there's eight, nine Amaros, 
you can do an Amaro espresso and it's not even on the menu. So good together. And it's a great combination. It's very Italian. It's kind of one of those things that yep. I, I had in Italy when I was there and didn't realize like that I would ever be able to do that, but it's kind of had this evolution. So, it's you really know, cool. provision is, you know, it's just been this evolution of my personal journey. And um, Dan has been just an incredible business partner friend a guy that i trust like we've we've made some terrible mistakes in in just trying to be a business like i always tell people they're like how do you do it i'm like don't (laughs) 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 just don't do it yeah no i'm like but if you're gonna do it let's there are some things that i think you can do to basically get to the next level yeah that can help you like you know get an accountant and get a lawyer and you know set up your llc properly like do these things up front i know it may be tedious and you may not want to put the money into it, but in the long run, like there's yeah. just these small steps. That Especially if, if you have the money, if you have like the, the capital behind it, you know, for some, some people it's their own, some people it's investors, like right. spend it right, get yourself, do your business properly. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, oh, yeah. nothing, nothing about it is easy. And that's probably the mis- biggest, I think, uh, misunderstanding in hospitality. It's easy. You know, you get people come in and they're like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to own a restaurant. I'm like, have you ever been behind the line in a kitchen at, at this level? Like, I mean, we're just talking about cheeseburgers. Like, yeah. you ever go to In-N-Out and see their systems? Like, there's a reason every store looks the same. Like, they make it look easy. But I guarantee when 50 double-doubles roll through, the guys in the grill that, like, wrap around the corner aren't being like, yeah, this is super easy. Like, there's still an intense, like, yeah. I've got to pay attention to the details. Okay, animal style. Okay, great. Need to throw down 15 patties. They don't and fuck up. Dude, it's amazing. Never gotten my stuff Dude, it's amazing. There. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's, like, tried and true. I mean, the story of them and Chick-fil-A, it's like, those guys didn't grow until they knew their system was in place. So, provision, flagship. Yeah which is Arcadia. Like we had the little salon thing, which was kind of just a Dan and I It was basically like a consultation with a buddy. And we, we'd done a bunch of consultations around the town of kind of, cause Dan's background was specialty coffee and mine was kind of food and beverage. And we collided and just kind of like, you know, we're just trying to figure it out. And we'd find ourselves designing spaces for people who had no idea what they were trying to design. So yeah. we would just give them honest feedback. And we I mean, we figured out how to use different, you know, uh, drawing softwares and stuff to kind of like CAD drawings and mm. like trying to play in architecture. And, but I mean, I, I loved that stuff and Dan did too. So it was kind of, we got kind of nerdy and geeky with it and yeah, built some beautiful, like we did a cafe for a church up in um, North Phoenix called dream city. And it's got like, mm. it is like stunning. And we, we, Jack brought us into it. Who's our architect and he's actually uh, a personal friend and a mentor in my life. And that That's all awesome. came from the Grove and cool. He's just one of those guys and that I really like sleek looking dude. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's all the whole family looks like perfect all the time. That's them. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, inc- but they're all incredibly different and talented yeah. and they're really genuine, <clears throat> really authentic come That's from awesome. just a couple generations of really solid people. And, um, he, you know, being our relationship, what it is like, he introduces me. He never like makes me like the client. He never tells the client like, Hey, you're going to use this person. He'll just set up a meeting and say, Hey, I'd, I'd love for you to meet my buddy Lawrence and his company provision coffee. I think they could really help you guys out and kind of build the narrative. And he'll just like 
introduce me and that's how it kind of starts and um mm. it's usually i mean it's so right up our alley especially when we work with churches it's like we know the formula we know the language and ultimately like we just want to create cool spaces so if that's what you want to do and be a part of that it's amazing like i love when faith communities can do that or if you're just a mom and pop that's just trying to create something that you love coffee and this is your mechanism of how you're going to do it like I yeah. will tell you straight up, like, if you don't have enough money, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Because it's just, it's, don't kill your family. Don't, like, chase this pipe dream. Unless, I mean, there's, there's, I don't, I don't say that, like, don't chase your pipe dream. But, but there's a, there's an amount of responsibility that I've had to learn the hard way in my own life that I'm luckily still married. And my wife, you know, thankfully has um, been a supporter and, but also a critic at the same time. There's things that can be done that are, it's worth waiting for. You know, if you really want to do something, it's worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pr- provision has just been like, the, again, it's just been this, this evolution of my life. And, um, I've always, I have this philosophy of just like hands open, you know, like what's, what's next. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm really feeling there's a shift coming. We'll, we're getting to a place where, you know, after a year of seeing, um, a lot of hard work, I mean, that place took four years from start to finish to actually open, which a lot of people oh. didn't know that. Really? Oh, I yeah. It took a while, but I didn't realize it. Yeah, it was long. four years. It was like pretty much four, almost like three and a half, but it was, like, it was yeah. a long three and a half, four years Damn. of construction and, you know, business and, and just, we did, we made mistakes in that process that we thought we were going to be open faster and, you were know, you we roasting at this time. Already? Yeah, we've all, yeah, we started roasting in 2013. So yeah, that's what you started doing. Yeah. I started roasting in 2013. So mm-hmm. I used to, I used to roast do deliveries, yeah. consulting. Um, Dan would kind of be the backbone, but I delivered, ordered, salesman. Like I did all of that for up until probably about, uh, let's see, it's 2019. We opened 2018. So 2018, last year was the first year that I started bringing on a team. So I did wow. it for six years by myself, which is why I was like, oh, provision yours. I'm like, no, it's, I'm just one of the guys. Like Dan was just kind of like always in the backbone. Like if you look at the back of our company, it's super cool because Dan he has was a background in like finance. Right? He does, yeah. yeah. So you like you go to our OneDrive and see like all this structure that never would have existed in my world. Um, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that I identified is is that I'm not afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And I I think one of my gifts is identifying talent and seeing when people have a unique set of gifts that I want to encourage them to use that. That's part of being a two is mm-hmm. seeing things that you're really good at in your life and encouraging you to do them. Yeah. So it could be like, you be, could be the most amazing botanist or you could be the most amazing, you know, guitar player. And, but we all struggle with this insecurity mm-hmm. and we need more affirmation. hundred percent. So dude. that's my, like, that's my jam. So like I was, we, we talk about stuff that you're doing. I'm like, yeah, you, that's going to be freaking great. Like the more that you, you know, pound through that and figure out yourself and yeah. you're going to find from five years from now, two years from now, as long as you're checking back in and I don't know how you, I mean, this podcast are great because you can, these are, you can hopefully never lose these. And 10 years yeah. from now, think back of like some of the stupid shit that you say. And then some of the stuff that's like mm-hmm. really profound. And you're yeah, like, yeah. I didn't really understand that. Like even in the midst of our conversation, 10 years, right? We could have met 10 years ago when I first moved here mm-hmm. and had this crazy like change, which was also a pretty big change for you. And, you know, coming from that background and then kind of you know, swimming away from the flock and kind of finding yourself. Cause I'm sure you kind of grew up in that, yeah. that home. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot about that. So it's, you know, just to think of, wow, it seems like, yeah, I, I kind of perceive people in, in my life and, uh, as like gravitating around them, you know, like we, 
we were kind of in orbit for like a second there. We just kind of didn't really see each other. We're on the other side of the planet or whatever, right? And now we've like, it's happened more and more. I'm like, okay, cool. I see this mother, these fuckers around. Like, yeah. eventually, you know, you just like, I, I leave provision one day. Like, how's the podcast? I was like, who's this oh, guy? Like, I know you. Yeah. I just, like, I've always, and, you know, I'd seen you there, but I never really like. Engaged. Yeah. The, the time wasn't ripe, you yeah. know, and now it is, man. And now we're friends. That's no, cool. and that's great. I love, uh, it's been, you know, a pleasure to, to be here and share kind of in this uh, space with you. Yeah. And, this you know, is I, f- I, f- I feel honored. Like anytime anybody wants to have a conversation and ask questions, like I it, just one-on-one, whether people are listening or not, like I mm-hmm. think the, the thing that's so life-giving that I'm realizing, uh, you know, after this whole stint of stress and anxiety that I've been going through from business and shit, like, yeah, I wanted to do this more to spend time with you and kind of understanding, like, you know, you're asking me more questions. We could probably go on for another three hours and I could be easily on the flip side and be like, mm-hmm. so tell me about this. And yeah. talk, which would be fun to come back and actually ask you questions because uh-huh. this was my background. Yeah. Uh, so kind of get into the, rep- not from a reporter standpoint, but I think that That'd be cool. it's cool to be on the other side of the, on the table and be like, so yeah, so you've been doing this tomorrow project and so like, tell me a little bit about like what the, the direction you're leading and where do you see yourself in five years? And are you still single? Cause I don't think you're going to be still single. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah you know, so I find a lady anyways. Um, yeah. So it's been a freaking, it's been great to, to talk out loud and it's always weird hearing yourself talk. You sound great. Do you, do you like the way you sound? Yeah, I, I got this. Like, doesn't, doesn't bother me. Okay, cool. I got I, this user default, and you, you're doing great, man. As far as like, cause some people, you know, will come on as soon as you hit record, different person. Like, no, it's. I I'll, I'll tell you so. F- one fun kind of thing about me, um, I love poetry, like naturally poetic. Oh, I gotta show you one of mine before you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a songwriter too. Yeah, right? I did. Yeah, okay. I think that's why I really kind of like listening to some of your stuff, but. So, and this might take a couple minutes to explain, but anyways, I, it's one of the sides of me, like I, I when I was in college, I took a poetry and performance class Okay. and I was scared shitless, <laughs> but there was something about it I was so drawn to. Wow. And I had a teacher and I like, I faked it through a project. I was supposed to write a poem and perform it. And it was like, you had 10 minutes to do it. And I was like, I suck at memorization, <sighs> but I'm really good at improv. So I built this narrative around this idea, how to cheat the system. And I did it. And the teacher was like freaking blown away by it. Yeah. And what I realized was I loved spoken word. I love this idea of coming into a space, not knowing what I was going to say, but had these certain rhythms around these patterns and ideas yeah. of yeah. where I was going to land, mm-hmm. which was spoken word. Like it can be just crazy random shit. And then like, but there's, there's a, a, a rhythmic sense to it. Yep. And cool, so what I've been doing recently as I've been going, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier off the podcast, but I had this whole like weird heart thing going on and stress and went through all these crazy tests, ended up in the hospital like 10 sex weeks change. ago. <laughs> yeah. He had a sex change like, multiple. He's Wee! back to, he's, yeah, it's, I'm back. Anyway, it's, yeah. I'm back. Good, good to have you. But I, <laughs> I, I wanted to start doing things for myself and yeah. the other day, I think it was Friday last week. So I've been like basically thinking about it and every once in a while I'll get my camera and I'll press record and like just do like actually my wife found one once she was like what the f-? she's like that was actually really good and I was like serious <laughs> she's like yeah I didn't actually expect it to like like it but she was like I got drawn into it and wow so there's like this create I mean I that's being in LA and like wanting to you know I there was a side of me that I just never really got into because I it's like that business you know artsy side that I 
always am challenged by. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing is these voice memos to myself. Cool. So I'll just, I'll be randomly driving. I mean, the, the, the last one, I was like seven and a half minutes of, I explained to myself, I was like, hey, this is a voice memo for me. And I'm just going to like talk to myself. And, you know, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to start off with this idea. And I was like, music. And I like paused. And I was like, music, music, it's the thing that lives inside of me. It's the rhythm and the beats that give me motion. It's the thing that comes up and down my spine that I feel there's so much emotion. I'm challenged by the things around me, but music makes me land and still, but yet still free enough to flap my wings and know that you can mm-hmm. see me when I can see you. You see how the rhythm goes, and it's so poetry-like. And I just, just like that. Yeah. So that idea that, holy shit, I can actually, like, I can do this. Yeah, dude. So it's just kind of fun. Like, and I, cool, I'm, i like, challenging myself to, like, do get, it more. get you, back on a stage. and You have a, play, a, a business. Would you be willing to do it at Provision? I am scared shitless to do it for <laughs> my employees. <laughs> We, I think that's maybe the other one, side, maybe one day. but you know, my, I, uh, Dan and I are very different in the sense that, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot more guarded than I am and, and sticks to, you know, wearing the business hat and, you know, we call him Danimal when Dan comes out because oh, it's so great. I mean, he is so funny. Like one day he just showed up with a, with a dinosaur T-Rex costume oh, and, and had it. a couple drinks and. Jenny was recording it and she's, she was sending me these videos and I was like, Oh my gosh, I freaking love that human. He's, he's so cool, man. Like oh. every, every time we rabbit hole and every time we talk, we rabbit hole every time. Like, so I'm off Tuesdays and Wednesdays almost every week and I will go in, uh, to my usual rituals. I'll go in Tuesday. I'll try to hit Arcadia meat market. Um, I'll go to the gym. Uh, that's my day. I was like, I hit my, I hit my places. Right. And you guys are mostly one of them that made me glide on for dinner. Um, and yeah, so many times I've just like talked and talked with Dan and this like, okay, well how, you know, why do you filter your water? What happens with that? Like, Oh, well yeah, the citric, you know, citric acid is more perceptible when there's more calcium <laughs> in the water. I'm like, awesome. I need to know these things because right. that also has something to play with, with alcohol, you know? And that's, that's the whole craft thing is like, my, I want to get to the source. Um, dude, you know, let's put up, let's, let's start to wrap this thing up. Cause yeah. I know you have a family. Yeah. No. Um, and I don't want to keep you from them, but no, dude, you're good. awesome conversation. Dude. So I good. I can't wait to do another iteration. The next time it'll be in my new studio, uh, at, at my new place and it's going to be decked out. Be like a little more soundproofed. It's actually cooler in there uh, than my entire apartment. Uh, even without the AC was like, cool so there'll, there'll be an ac in there this was great though i didn't it didn't bother me this is not terrible no um so let me just brag on you for a second to your listeners that are growing ooh. Uh, the ego grows Yeah. 
gear here for it yeah thank you yeah yeah dude I can't wait to ask you more there's so much of of your life I need to know about um, and think people care about too Um, for everyone who uh, may have jumped in late or whatever or missed some stuff uh, let's listen to the whole thing you assholes Um, let's joke you're not assholes but maybe you are I mean everyone's a little bit of an asshole um Check out Provision. I think it's some of the best coffee in the state. I haven't had all the coffee in the state, so I can't say that with absolute confidence, but it is my favorite coffee shop to go to. I am there often. If you see on my, if anyone sees in my kitchen, I have two. I've, I now have been buying packs of two <laughs> uh, of, your, uh, of your beans, and uh, I'm always asking questions to some of the people there, and uh, they're just, they're friendly staff. The building's sexy, and it's just good quality stuff um the i think the best matcha i've had in town because uh, you guys buy quality matcha in the first place Super, yeah, it's really expensive. rabbit hole <laughs> rabbit hole in that stuff that's why it's six bucks a cup but it's worth it because it's so good and i'm still on that matcha high that l-theanine high dude anyway uh check out provision um lawrence has been an absolute pleasure where Thanks, can people man. find you is there any sort of uh, route you'd like people to see on Instagram or something, follow yeah, Provision. Yeah, so Provision Coffee, and then cool. um, if you're really excited and you want to follow my not-so-consistent posts, uh, it's Dad Bod Beards. Oh, it's, yeah. it's such a great name. I've Perfect. had really good Instagram handles. That's that's the, probably the best. Yeah, it's really great. I don't even know why. It's I think because I'm getting older, and I'm like, I, I definitely have a dad bod. Going to the gym just doesn't work out as much as you'd like it to when you have a kid Yeah, and a wife and a business. And, and a beard. And a beard. <laughs> a beard. Well, all right, man. We'll let cool. you get back to your kid and your wife. Thank you so much for coming Dude, on, man. Thanks, man. I all appreciate right. it. Later, people. Ciao. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you all uh, enjoyed it. Um, that was a great episode with Lawrence. Really, really cool. Crazy <clears throat> knowing our, our, our mutual history. Uh, uh, although um, some of it was uh, when we didn't know each other. It was crazy. Just crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Cool time. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Page Springs Cellars Winery and Arizona Wilderness. Sorry, I have been drinking uh, liqueurs and um, soda water. So if I'm burping, get over it because guess what? Humans burp. It happens. Thank you for listening. Uh, please check out both of my sponsors are local Arizona businesses and they produce phenomenal product that I think is worth checking out. Otherwise, I would not be advertising for them on this. I really, truly wouldn't be. They're not really giving me money. Uh, they've just, uh, are, I think, are important. And so maybe eventually they'll give me like five bucks. Five bucks from each of them? Holy shit, I might get ten bucks out this deal. I just want everyone to have a, a good, nice rest of your day. And to know that I got a new studio um, coming, coming, coming. I'm excited. We got a house, and it's got a detached studio in the back that I'm going to... Uh, be sharing space with my uh, roommates who are artists of various natures and we will be uh, creating a very cool vibe in there I've got these badass lamps you'll see a picture of them on my uh, on my my Instagram page I'm very very happy with them I'm I was instantly moved upon seeing them and I had to purchase them Um, and that'll be kind of like the uh, backbone of the actual studio uh, table 
which will add a cool little vibe to everything. And uh, yeah, point is, uh, I'll have a new studio, so the sound quality will be up higher. And uh, you know, as we're moving forward through summer, hopefully uh, we can figure out some stuff with uh, making fan noise a little less audible. But I appreciate everyone for bearing with me through these trying times, and thank you for listening again. I hope uh, I hope today finds you well. Later.